Welcome to a Holy Mess podcast with me, His Holy Mess, Father Paul Hulis. This is a podcast to encourage, entertain, and give hope to those of us who are striving to find holiness in a very messy world. It's also a podcast for all those who identify as a holy mess, like me, hence His Holy Mess. Are we not all in some way, because of our weaknesses and our sinfulness, a holy mess? Yet the good news is that God, who is supremely pristine and pure, entered the depths of our mess and the mess of this world and made it holy. And he doesn't just clean up the mess in our lives, but he redeems it, uses it, and turns our mess into a beautiful message of hope. So tune in, bring your mess with you, and join me for a clean but very messy podcast. One, two, three. Hey, it's Father Paul. So listen, uh, just to explain, uh, in case you probably, if you watched the last episode, you'll probably see that the camera changed and it ended up just being only on her and not on me. So we tried three different cameras in my studio. This was the first time we ever tried doing anything like this. Uh, one of them got cut off at a certain amount of time because there was no more storage on the phone. And then uh, Marilis was kind enough to let me use her iPad and her iPhone to film at two different camera angles. And even though it was completely successful in terms of the recording, uh, the two and a half hours uh, that we did, uh, it was she was not able to send it to me in Dropbox or Google Drive. We tried the AirDrop, we tried iCloud, we tried everything. And so, if you're watching this, you are only going to see one angle, and that's the angle on her. You could kind of see me in her iPad. You'll see what I'm talking about, but the three different camera angle thing did not work. So uh, I'm working with somebody named Mike Fusco. He's been kind enough to let me know exactly what type of camera, video, gear. He's going to donate some stuff to me. I'm very, very grateful to that for that. Some of you have already donated. I put a pause on the donation because I just want to get a couple things in line uh, real quick, uh, make it official, legit. And then um, we, we could do that again, but I am going to get a couple videos, cameras, a switcher, so I could be able to do like uh, have people in my studio live and do uh, more than one camera, uh, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not necessary. Uh, maybe we only need one camera. I'm not sure. So anyway, if you're wondering, if you're watching this, you're like, why is it only on her the whole time? Because I still wanted to do video. I felt bad. I didn't want to do like, you know, have Marilis come here and not do video. Uh, but at least you get to see her and you know, you, you don't have to look at, uh, myself. So God bless you. I hope you enjoy this episode with Marilis, uh, spread it, let people know about it. Very powerful story. Very, very powerful. Talk to you soon. Peace in the middle East. There we go. All right. So we had a little bit of a technical difficulty. Uh, I don't know where it cut off. Yeah, me neither. That's fine. But you know what? This is fine because that I was telling a story. Maybe I could just do a short yeah. little thing with that. And this is the episode with you. Yes. So, Marilis Panero. Hi. Am I saying your name correctly? Yeah. Okay. Welcome on A Holy Mess with Holy Mess. It's an honor I, it to is, be here. I, I have been wanting to interview <laughs> you forever. Like you For a while, you've been t talking about having me on. I have. Since uh, January. 
Yeah, and you know what? I, and I always got the sense that you kind of wanted to do it in person because whenever I said something, you were like, yeah, I'll be home, this, this, that, and I'm like... Well, it's just harder for me to try to figure out... Usually, I'm in a... Term- a, I'm usually in a different time zone. Okay, it's fair. You know? Fair. B, I, when I'm not in New Jersey, there's always a million things going on in my life. Got it. Which so is, to I try to figure to. out a time that works for both of us, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. 100%. So usually when I do these sorts of podcasts, I usually try to schedule them for when I'm in at least the United States. She's a very busy person. <laughs> very busy. Very busy. Even One <laughs> of the busiest person you ever met. Even uh, better if I'm in Jersey because my life just kind of plateaus a little when I'm here. Well, I am happy to say that I don't know you just from social media. Yes. Okay? We know each other from a Way back. high school called Paramus Catholic High School in Paramus, New Jersey, where I went and you went, but at different times. Yes. I think you graduated by the time I was there. When did you I graduate? graduated. I was the class of 2000. <laughs> yeah, you graduated. What class were you? 2008. 2008. So you were, I was way gone. But I came back in the 2004-2005 school year and a little yes, bit Yes, my of, freshman year. I did. I was there all, uh, every single day. I was uh, the assistant to the assistant, uh, Justin Fatika, who was the assistant campus minister or whatever he was. <laughs> yeah. And I was there. I, I wasn't even getting paid. I got a stipend here and there. But basically, I was helping him with the morning prayer, the Wednesday night prayer, the were you in college at that time, or what I were you doing? I was in Bergen Community College. Okay. And you were so you were a freshman. I was a freshman. You were in, a freshman in his religion class. In his religion class. Yeah. So that okay. So you and I have talked because you weren't like totally. You said like because I thought like this whole time like you were involved with Hardest Nails no. all the time, or you went to Wednesday Night Prayer all the I time. I didn't go and, to a single one. I didn't go to a single one of his retreats. Yeah. See, but then, but it's like, I, but I know, like, but well, I, I was know like, I, I like was friends. I mean, with all those people. With, yeah, with those people. With like. The people that were involved with Hard as Nails. Yeah, see, that fascinates know? me. And I had a prayer life at that time. Because I remember Justin would be like screaming about, you know, like, get your life together and <laughs> encouraging people, like, which was great. He really encouraged us to have a prayer life. And I'd be like, I already make a daily holy hour. <laughs> I didn't say it like that, but I would just kind of look at him. You know what I mean? He'd be like, change your life. And I'd be like, what more can I do? Yeah, yeah. I think he, you know, I mean, he's the best. But he didn't know. He didn't know that. How would he have known that I was already making a daily holy hour? Well, he probably just assumes that freshmen in high school are not doing, I mean, how? all right, let's just be honest. How many freaking freshmen are doing holy hours? Okay? Right, right. right, So let's just start there. Like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? And why in the world were you doing holy hours when you were a freaking freshman? Well, okay, Marilis Pinheiro is my name. Um, I'm born and raised in New York City, but live in Jersey. Well, my mom moved to New Jersey when I was in high school. Okay. Went to PC for high school. Um, grew up in, she's my mom's from the Philippines. Classic, super devout, pious Filipina woman. So grew up praying the rosary at home, went to mass every Sunday, um, sometimes during the week. She took us to ador- dragged us to adoration, dragged us to um, the Divine Mercy Shrine up in Massachusetts. Okay, like all these pilgrimage sites growing up. When so you say us, are you talking like about siblings? my siblings? Say yeah, I have siblings. a younger brother and a younger sister. Got my it. parents are divorced, but both are remarried now, okay. so I have a stepdad. How old were you when they um, split? Their divorce was finalized when I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school. So it was later in life? It was later. But okay. my dad wasn't in my life for a long oh. time, even before that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry to hear so, that. So, yeah, right. no. So it was really, 
just the faith was always a part of a part of my life. Um, But I would say it probably wasn't until I was in high school that it became, I hate to say personal, you know what I mean? But because I feel like that sounds really Protestant, but it really became the faith became personal or more personal in high school where I really felt this growing desire to spend time with the Lord in prayer, not because my mom was, you know, forcing us to, but because I genuinely wanted to. How did that happen? What, what was it about know. high school? I think it was just because probably adoration, honestly, like having going to adoration daily in Ridgewood, you know, as a part of kind of my life. How would you get there? My mom would drive me. Really? Yeah. Or I'd take the bus. Like after school? <laughs> after school, after volleyball. Because they have perpetual adoration. I don't know if they still have it, but they had perpetual adoration. Yeah, my understanding you know? is that they still um, do. Yeah. And I would do that, or like I'd stop into the chapel at at school, and they built that new little chapel. Yeah, they remember? Did. Yeah, beautiful. And um, I'd stop in there. I'd go there for if I had if they had mass during lunch, I would go to mass and then go to lunch. Unbelievable. You know what I mean? So it was, but I don't know. I think it was just a grace because there wasn't like a light bulb moment for me of like, oh, you need, you know, let's start having a relationship with Jesus. It was just this little. Th- I guess flame that would that grew over time. But the more time I spent with him, the more time I wanted to spend with him. Now I don't want to put you on the spot about this one. Was the uh, the freshman religion class was that beneficial at all? Or I'm sure it was. I think I'm sure just well, a I never had anybody like Justin in my life before that who would like put you on the spot and call you to to try to strive to be holy uh-huh. but then b he was just like so immersive in scripture in yeah, a way yeah. that i'd never experienced before of like having us memorize bible verses i mean you know which i just had never thought to do that yeah 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 um so yeah i'm sure it it, may, it had an effect yeah no no you totally know? curious this, yeah this, through the circles that i know you and uh you know i um we could take this and then being you. around you know like other young people too like people who were involved with Hard as Nails um, who were wanting to, you know, try to lead holy lives. Yeah, because I, like, I wanted you to fill in the gap because, like, so I saw your prayer, Ms. Catholic, like, you know, mm-hmm. j- at, in one year, okay? And then the next thing I know, I'm in Washington, D.C., and I see you, and you're, you're a nun, like, yeah. so, so I was like, that was fast forward to how many years? I, I, I don't I know. I entered in 2011. I you, dropped out of college to enter the convent. So that was my very first year as a priest. 2011 so that's 12 but years no, ago but no but then now. we would have we didn't run into each other until i was working at the vatican embassy oh, okay oh, all right, so that would have right. been like at least 2015 2016 2017 when did you know that you wanted to think about being religious a life yeah, a religious life. well actually the thought of religious life first came into my mind as a little girl and in the fourth grade and this the reason this is a memory like a core memory is because my sister is involved, but she used to read my journals. I've been keeping a journal since I was in second grade, and they're really just letters to Jesus that I write. Um, but I wrote it in code. I want to be a nun, but I wrote it in code. But then, like, my type A personality type of a person that's like, I'm going to want to remember this someday, wrote the, like, decoding out a few pages later. And my sister used to read my journals. And hey, how did they decode it? 
Because I did, wrote like this symbol means oh, that got letter. Oh, got it, got know? it, got it, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made up like my own little like coded language. But you left the code there. But I left the code there got like it. a few pages later. Yeah. I need to look it up in my Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen journal. What? <laughs> Speaking about journals, should we home. talk about that other one at all? Which other one? You know the one you kept in that drawer. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. I knew you. So the, the, one of the reasons why I always thought you were connected with Justin at Heart of Nails is But that was it, a project. Yeah, yeah. You were in the Heart of Nails documentary, which yeah. came out on HBO in 2007. Yeah. And honestly, it's one of the best scenes. It's one of the funniest scenes. You guys are at the mall. Can we dig that up somehow? Totally. Where is that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to do it while we're in like the vi- like yeah. doing this right now. But yeah, you can watch it. It's on HBO I Max need to find Oh, my mom has that. Yeah, and I think I have a copy upstairs. Okay. So you're in it. Do you want to tell the scene? Yeah, okay. so, well, a background. Got it. For one of our projects in Justin's class, he had us create a scrapbook. And throughout the school year, I don't know how long we did this for, but each week he would assign a topic for write your future spouse a letter about this, insert this in, you know? And... He, we, he, we would add each page into a binder and it became this like future, I guess, because he did it for his own wife, Mary Fatika. Yep. Um, so and he had us start this, you know, binder. And I, he was like, and you keep these in your underwear drawers. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why underwear drawer? Why? I, I mean, you're always going to open your underwear. Hopefully you're opening your underwear drawer every day. Yeah, but was it, <laughs> you was know? It, it was well, like, like, just like as a reminder of your, like to keep your purity and, yeah, and yeah, chastity yeah. and all that. I think too, like Justin, come to think of it, he probably was the first, if not only religion teacher I had at PC besides Sarah Berlingeri. The best. But I didn't have a, t- I didn't, she didn't, t- I didn't have her for class i just knew her oh got it got but it. like besides her he was really the only person who spoke about chastity yeah. in like a not weird way yeah do you know what i mean pure, like yeah. but like what but actual real. like real yeah like you're gonna be tempted this is, you know what i mean like not like a purity culture in your face fake stuff yeah that is usually shoved down our throats and I a lot of like. people are afraid to talk to teens about yeah that. and, and yet, he was very real and honest about very, it and yeah. so between him that's why actually, i honestly think that's a very powerful scene in the in the documentary yeah so he so i, I still have that that's what you see. i yeah. still have that binder it's yeah. not no longer in my underwear drawer it's oh. in the closet now but okay but that so the see, fast forward to he has cameras following him around for that documentary and I don't know how it came up, but I share that story of how Justin had us make these these scrapbooks with letters to our future spouses and kept it in their underwear and told us to keep it in underwear drawer. And I still had mine there. You know, Amen. it was a powerful witness. It was a powerful scene. And of course, he starts laughing like crazy. You know, I, I don't tell them to keep it in a tanner drawer. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. I don't know if that's a good imitation. All right. So you but, graduate high school in 2008. Yes, I went to Catholic University for right undergrad. Away? Yeah, Catholic right away. U. Were you thinking like, I'm going to discern? No, by that point, like the idea of discern. So when I was a little girl, thought about religious life, wrote about it in my journal. My sister found it and read it. And like, I don't know. I don't remember if she told our family or not, but her doing that comes into play later when I actually was seriously discerning. So I go to Catholic U for college, was dating a boy, had been dating a boy for like three years that I met in high school and we kept dating into college. And I, the idea of like religious life was just not in my mind at all. 
Um, and not that I fell away from my like prayer life, but it definitely kind of took a little bit more of a back seat that first semester in college and in high school, I was kind of like, not quiet. I had a lot of friends, but like in college, like everybody was partying and I was like, this is how I make friends in college. So I remember like going out. Even at Catholic U. At, oh my God. They, at CUA, they joke about how it's a drinking school with a Catholic problem. No. Yes. No way. Yeah. I, I don't know either. if it still is. All right. Okay. But when I was there, I mean, every night, my freshman dorm was crazy drink, you know. Um, so I would go out like my, almost every night of the week. And I, I just remember feeling like complete awful. You know, I was felt awful about myself. Yeah. And I would go to mass because I was so homesick for my family. I was homesick for, you know, just like my life in Jersey. And I think most college freshmen who go away to college probably experience this. But I went to mass at the same time my family would go to mass because that's how I felt like I was with them. Really? So even yeah. though you weren't together a big, yeah so that my i knew my family was going to 10 30 a.m mass on sunday so i'd find like a 10 a.m mass which there's mass every hour practically at cua um between the college and then the basilica of the national shrine Got of it. the immaculate conception you know there's mass every hour so okay. it was not difficult to find all right um and then that became daily mass you know i knew my mom would go to a 9 a.m mass every day so i'd try to find a 9 a.m mass or try to go to mass at some point during the day. And she didn't know I was doing this. Like I, whenever I would call home, I'm like, I'm having the, the time of my life, you know? Um, and so that's really kind of like when my prayer again started to revive, I guess you could say in college, that boyfriend and I did break up just because it was like, you know. Did he also go to PC? No, he, he went to a different Catholic school Got in it. Bergen County. Okay. Um, and he ended up going to school in Connecticut for college. So we were like super long distance. It just didn't work. And I think like in my heartbroken self, you know, again, took that to prayer because I didn't know where else to go. And um, the idea of religious life, I think it just because there were sisters on campus and it was one of those things where I would like see them and almost be afraid to talk to them, you know, because I was like, I don't know why I, I'm not a shy person, you know, I'm very blunt. And like, if I want to talk to somebody, I just will go up and talk to them. And there was a sister, I was pre-med. Um, there was a sister in my organic chemistry class. I can't remember if it was organic or inorganic, but it was one of them. And she sat way up front every single every single class and I just like would wonder about her because she looked super young I was like what is she doing you know as a sister I didn't know that that young women went and entered the convent and I think that curiosity led me to like then start kind of researching what nuns were you okay. know uh, um what order were they there was a particular order I want to say they were Alma she was an Alma Mercy sister Alma Mercy oh so yeah, not she was the a ones student. you ended up going into not the ones I ended up going oh, into. Okay, okay. And then in the midst of that too, I would spend, because I love the elderly. So I would spend afternoons and evenings with the little sisters of the poor hanging out with the old people. You know, okay. like I didn't want anything to do with the sisters, but I wanted to go, yeah. you know, like help serve dinner and um, just spend time with the elderly. But like the sisters were always there and I didn't know this when I started doing it, but that convent in DC was one of their formation 
houses. So yeah. when a postulant, I guess at some point, a postulant is the first step after you enter religious life, they would spend time in D.C. for a few months. And I would always, again, like wonder, like what, you know, made like they're young, they're fun, they're normal. Like I'd like talk to them one. I remember one specifically, she was from Samoa which was like the other side of the world. And I was like, what are you doing here? And she was like, I'm going to be a little sister of the poor. Wow. And I'd be like, why? Why would you do that? Why would you leave your family? You know, and she's like, because I'm in love with Jesus and this is what he wants. And I was like, you're crazy, you know? Um, But I think it was that exposure that made me kind of start thinking like, well, is this what you're calling? You know, I'd be like, I hope you're not calling me to to this Jesus because it's not going to happen. But it was almost like as soon as I said that was when, it started to really open up this Pandora's box of discernment. Yeah. And I mean, thankfully by that time, this was end of freshman year, sophomore year, I had a pretty solid, like I had a spiritual director. I was going to daily mass regularly, had my holy hour back, praying my rosary every day, all like receiving formation, thankfully through the work of Opus Dei. And being exposed to also consecrated women in Opus Dei. So seeing that there is, there's vocations for lay women in the world. And then there's consecrated life, religious life, and obviously marriage, you know. So really kind of being exposed to all these vocations and really starting to discern, well, what is it that God wants of me? And then when religious life became more and more this desire in my heart, I was like, well, let me compromise with Jesus. Mm. <laughs> let me join Opus Dei, possibly, and I can be a consecrated woman, but still remain in the world. What is Opus Dei for those who have no idea? So Just Opus really Dei quick, is really a apostolate of the church. Okay. Um, that's the easiest way to describe. They have different... I don't want to say levels of membership because I feel like levels... An apostolate is kind of like a movement. Yeah, it's a movement, um, yeah. but there are members of Opus Dei that um, discern that they're not called to marriage and are called to be celibate within the work of Opus Dei, but not, are not religious. Okay, okay. Um, so they... they but would that be like consecrated virginity? Vir- similar, but they're not consecrated virgins, not. but okay, similar where they make promises, they don't make vows, got it. but they live a celibate life, they never get married. Okay. Um, typically they live in community. All right. And, um, but they have regular jobs out in the world and are, you know. So they're not living a religious life uh, like a nun, but they are very devoted. They yes. kind of are a little yeah. bit. Yeah, they have the Jesus world. in their homes, like in the really? residence. Yeah, the they have a chapel. They're allowed. Yeah, they have a chapel with the with the So you were thinking that's sacrament. maybe what you wanted N- to well, do. Well, I was like, let me compromise with yep, God where yep. I can still be in the world, still have, you know, wear late clothes, wear normal clothes, Um and still have a job in the world, but my entire life will be devoted to God through the work of Opus Dei. Amen. Um, and I remember bringing that to confession with an, the Opus Dei priest who would hear my confession, and he was like, you can't compromise with God like that. And I was like, no! Really? You know, he was like, if he wants all or nothing, like you can't straddle this fence. Mm. And that was when I really started talking to sisters, but I was very private about my discernment um, because I didn't want to be influenced by a lot of voices, you know? So I didn't go telling my friends, my college friends that I was discerning, um, but I I would talk to sisters. I I got in touch. I just did like a, a search of like... Did your mom know? 
No, I didn't tell her until I was like very serious. Okay. Like I'm going to be entering a convent. It's just a matter of which mm. convent, you know? How was she with that? Initially, she was like very supportive. She didn't kind of, she didn't have her freak out moment until the night before I was going into the convent yeah. when she, it hit her what it all entailed. Got it. Got um, it. But yeah, started visiting different orders, thought I was going to be a Dominican. I'm pretty heady. You know, I love philosophy. The Dominican House of Studies is right across the street from Catholic U. So I'd go over there and pray Compline with the with the friars with the You're Dominicans. You're talking about the religious order, not the yeah. ethnicity. You weren't going to be a yes. Dominican, all right? God, yes, just... the order of preachers. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I don't know if you were going to the DR or not. Yeah, <laughs> maybe someday. I don't know, but yeah, no. I and I um, there was a Nashville Dominican that was in the philosophy department, teaching in the philosophy department. So I'd go and like you know have afternoon tea with her and we'd talk about Aquinas and she'd I remember she'd offer me peppermint bark and I hate chocolate and peppermint but I I didn't want to be rude so I'd be like yeah. thank you so much and like just like you know but that sounds like such a nunny thing to have afternoon tea and talk about Thomas Aquinas <laughs> no but I was you know very I very much like love to and I remember when I eventually did meet my community that I entered um, and I was telling the Dominicans, one of the Dominican friars that I became friends with, I was returning just like piles of books that he had lent me that I was returning to him. And I told him I'm entering a Franciscan order. He was like, all these books you've read and you're going to be, <laughs> you're going to become a Franciscan no. because I just, well, I was a, you know, philosophy, psychology, double major pre-med, but like really? very into philosophy. All right. Yeah. Just loved everything, you know. So you were taking psychology, yeah. pre-med, and philosophy. Yes, and a theology minor, yeah. Unbelievable. And that, how did, is that where you graduated? With the, well, I ended up dropping out oh, of college. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so then I visited the Nashville Dominicans a couple of times, really thought I was going to be entering there. They, I really felt drawn to their prayer life. But there was always kind of like something in the back of my head that prevented me from like taking the initiative to ask to enter you know to ask like i feel to say i feel called here can I have an application yeah to possibly enter there was always kind of like something and i thought well i you know maybe should wait until after i graduate i kind of would use these little things as an excuse and in the meantime um i went back to college and i was involved really involved with campus ministry by this point and um there was a huge like bulletin board of vocations of different orders and next to the Nashville Dominicans poster because I was like oh I know those sisters you know I'd get all excited were these Franciscans and I was like I haven't looked at a Franciscan order and I had the I think a lot of people have this stereotype of like Franciscans like are super <laughs> like I don't know worshiping the birds you know like St. Francis it's yeah, like I just yeah, had yeah. a very misconstrued stereotype image of them that was is not who the franciscans are at all but i was like well let me just like talk to the talk to this order um and just to see just to see just out of curiosity you know so i can like cross them off my list and i called i remember filling out they had like an in a uh, postcard that you could rip off that poster fill in and mail yep. and i never heard back from them two months later i get a call from their vocation director 
And I don't remember what exactly we talked about, but I just remember I was able to be so honest and open with her. And there was just such a calmness and a peace to the conversation. I went back to Nashville like a month later, two months later. And in the back of my head, my entire time when I was in Nashville was this thought of don't make any big decisions until you go visit those Franciscans. And I remember being annoyed at this voice, more or less, you know, that was like, I mean, I don't even know who they are. And um, I was sitting in the airport heading back to college when I called that vocation director of the Franciscans. And I was like, listen, I'm getting on a flight in half an hour. Tell me everything you can about your order. And the first thing out of her mouth was, we have a devotion to the Sacred Heart. And I've always had a devotion to the Sacred Heart. We grew up with that devotion at home. And then the next thing she said was, we, you know, besides the hours, praying the hours and daily mass or whatever. For our listeners, the Sacred Heart is the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the special yeah. devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, Give she her was a thumbs like, up and we're being filmed. <laughs> we have <laughs> She was like, we have an adoration chapel. And, you know, she's telling me about their community. And I was like, well, what is your apostolate? You know, all the, like, kind of what kind of work the sisters do. And she was like, well, our charism is, t- is mercy. And um, we, don't, we do that in a variety of ways. So they're, they're, they, they have a lot of different things that they do. They're not just like, you know, how some orders are only teachers or some orders are only nurses like this community. They, they did a lot of different things. And so I was like, well, can I come visit? And I, I remember... I was so blunt. I was like, I don't want to come for a vocation retreat because I know I'm called. I I need to like, like really see like the meat of this community. You know, like I don't need to discern. I'm discerned so that I'm yeah. called to religious life. Like I need to come for more than just a weekend with like 25 other girls. <laughs> so we, I ended up going over. That was bold of you. Yeah, I just knew. I just like, yeah. And I'm that's just the type of person I am. Of like, no. when I know, <laughs> no, bold. <laughs> Say what's on your mind. We'll get to that. So, <laughs> so, so I ended up going during Easter break. I think it was like Holy Week. Um, Easter break. I went after Easter and stayed for a few days. And again, it wasn't until like in hindsight when I remember leaving that community and I was so sad to leave and it wasn't, I hadn't experienced that sadness before when I'd visited other convents. And I remember her asking me, the sister that was driving me back to the airport after the visit, she was like, you know, looking forward to anything fun at, you know, like the rest of the semester. And I just started bawling and I I couldn't, I was like, I don't even know why I'm crying right now. And yeah. she was like, Jesus knows. <laughs> like She's wow. tapping me on the hand. Um, I get back to school, try to go about my days. And I the whole time, I'd be going to class. And I'd think, if I were there right now, I'd be you know at evening prayers with the sisters. If I were there right now, I'd be in the Adoration Chapel. And it was always back to their life in prayer that attracted me. It wasn't any specific sister. It wasn't their work. It wasn't, you know, it was really always back to, to their life of prayer. And, and that was when I knew I was like, I need to go back and tell them like, I need to go back. And I called the vocation director and I was like, I need to come back for a visit. This is what I'm experiencing. And that visit was when I asked for an application to enter. And she I was still a college student. She said to me, she was like, you know, 
you only, I was a junior at this point, a junior in college. And she was like, you only have a year left of college. Mother might still say, you know, to finish um, college. Like, don't, you know, like, it's okay if she says that. Um, And I remember going to mother to tell her, I was like, I would like an application. And she, and I was like, if I'm accepted, can I enter? You know? And she was like, yeah. Wow. Just and like she, that. I mean, she did give me the application, you know, she's like, let's go through, cause it is a process, you know, it's not just like, yeah, you seem great. Come on in. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. psychological evaluations, medical appointments, like all kinds of essays, recommendation letters you got to get together. But did all that and I ended up dropping out of college to enter and that was when I I think I told my family I was like listen I'm gonna enter the convent and my mom was like you're dropping out of college to enter you know she's like we want to support you but do you really want to drop out of college and that was when my sister was like she's been talking about wanting to be a nun since we were you know since she was in fourth grade and brought up that journal entry wow wow so so I did. I ended up entering in 2011. I dropped out of college to enter the convent. I finished later. I finished. Oh, you did? Yeah. You as did a finish sister, college. But, oh, get out of here. But not, you know, I dropped out to enter. Okay. So I went through initially. But they encouraged you to go to finish while you were there? Yeah. Really? Which That's is amazing. funny. That was like God, too, because yeah. I was like, my. I was actually thinking about this on the drive here, just how drastically different my life is from what I imagined. Okay. It to be, and I, you know, my, as a sister, I was like, I'll be content in housekeeping or, like, in the laundry. Like, I don't need to be out doing, you know, being a missionary or whatever. Like, I was fine being hidden away. And when mother told me as a novice that she wanted me to go back to school, I was like, but why? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, I mean, of course, like, I was like happy that the community wanted to invest in my education um and I was studying to be a teacher and I was like great I'm gonna teach fourth grade in Tulsa Oklahoma like that was (laughs) my you know my dream apostolate but God had other plans (laughs) did you get unplugged I think the computer ran out so we're just gonna plug this in real quick (laughs) oh your computer died Romeo's dead asleep. Yeah, what's going on? He's sleeping. Oh, he, what's up, Rome? He got up. What up, Romeo? All right, where is the plug now? Mr. I just had it. Do you need one? Is, it there? is that it? Oh, it's the ring light. Yeah, the I ring was light. wondering what was going on. It's just a real life. Hello. Hi. Woo. What's up, Rose? All right. So we're back. Hello. Um, all right. So you enter, you enter the convent. How old are you? I was 19 you when I entered. You were 19 years old when you entered. And what was the order? Franciscan. Franciscan what? I can't. I don't want to say. Oh, okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. All right. Good. There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> Um, well, it's not. I just don't. Want, I don't like putting them on blast, you know, because I did leave. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you say what you can. I'll ask what you can, and then you just say I can't answer that. <laughs> right, what was their main? Like, what was their main mission? Their main like as a nun? Like, what was? Well, their charism was to make Christ's merciful love visible. So it was mercy. Okay. Um, they have a deep devotion to the Sacred Heart. Got it. 
uh, but they don't have like one apostolate. So there are sisters that are nurses, teachers, um, work for bishops. All right, so then let me they just get do to a it. whole lot of stuff. How did you end up doing what you ended up doing? Because you had a very, like, we're going to get, we're probably going to have to do part one and two, <laughs> uh, you know, pre, uh, pre-convent, post-convent. Yeah. Because um, you are the, like, you are the ex-nun on the run, right? Yeah. Not on a run, because you corrected me about that once. The run. The run, ex-nun on the run, which at first some people may be like, well, what does that mean? That might seem something negative. So you went into the convent and... You had some very... In- what are you allowed to say? What, well, are, what did I you do? I can say that... Um, so I was in school. I mean, I went through initial formation, Got entered it. the convent, went through the initial... Three years of initial formation. So postulancy... It was a year of postulancy and then two years in the novitiate as a novice. Okay. Made first vows, which are temporary. Yep. And we renewed those temporary vows every year until final vows. Okay. Um, the Did mother, you ever make final vows? I never made final vows. Okay, so you left before final vows. I left before final vows. Which is an admirable thing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, the mother superior into whose hands I made my first vows into. Of obedience. Of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Got it. She, we were the, myself and the sister who made vows with me, we were the last ones to make vows into her hands because her term was up. Got it. So maybe like two or three weeks after I made vows, we got a new mother. Okay. Now, previous mother had sent me to school to go study education. She was like, I didn't want to be a nurse. So she was like, well, education it is. Um, New mother on Thanksgiving, I went home, I went home meaning to the convent from school, I was away at school, um, was home for Thanksgiving break on Thanksgiving day, calls me into her office and she's like, you're going to be transferred. You're getting transferred. And I was like, oh, to where? And she goes to the Vatican embassy. To the Vatican embassy. Yeah. In Washington, DC. Oh, in DC. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Where were you? Where were you living? Just at another place in DC? Yeah. No, no, no. At this point I was living in the Midwest. At the provincial house. All right. And you're going to the Vatican embassy for what? Why? Well, she didn't say exactly. Um, But that first year was preparing for the Holy Father's visit. Got it. For Pope Francis. For Pope Francis. He came here in 2015. Yes. September of 2015. Right. His first and only time so far in the United States. Yes. And you were personally part of helping to plan that visit. Yeah. And I got to be with him. You were with him. So what are you able to share about I can't really share too much other than, I mean, you know, in my 20-something, you know, I think it was 22 at that age. Okay, you were 22 years old. 23, I don't know, 24. I'm in my very early 20s. Got it. And um, And you're with the Pope. Well, A, it just didn't, it didn't, I don't think, and this was probably a grace now in hindsight, I can see that, the, I guess like the seriousness of my apostolate did not, it did, I just didn't register it. I didn't register that I would be working with the apostolic nuncio. I didn't register exactly where I was, you know. What is a, uh, for those that are, what's so an the apo- apostolic nuncio? The apostolic nuncio is, it, you know, I guess he is the Holy Father's representative in a country. So, so like, so c- similar to how countries have ambassadors. Exactly. He's that for the Vatican. Okay. But not just ambassador. I mean, he is standing in for the Holy Father. Do you have any idea why they picked you? No, I have no idea. And even mother, when I asked her, I was like, why me? 
because the nuns you had called asking for a sister and our sisters were there were some sisters from my community that were already there so he was familiar with the order okay All right. um when she asked him, he, I guess he had asked for a sister and mother, because she was newly mother, asked, not the mother whose vows I made my, you know, whose hands I placed mine into to make vows, yep. but the mother before her. So two mothers, two mothers, ago. two mothers ago, Very she confusing. asked like, who, who do you think would be a good fit for this? Oh, and that mother. mother said, sister Marilyn. What was your uh, my name? name was Sister Mary Emanuela. Mary Emanuela. But like just they would just call me Sister Emanuela. We all took the name Mary. How about Manuela? <laughs> I think that's good. So all right. So you're with you're you're with the Apostolic Nuncio, which was who at the time? Archbishop like, Vigano. Archbishop um Carlo Maria Vigano. Oh, I think I think some people know about him. And uh, you again, like, did not understand. Got it. So you're just exactly. 22. I just was like, he's nuncio. Okay. He's another. I just was like What'd another bishop. What did you have to do? Literally like anything and everything that was asked. It wasn't like a, I mean, some days it was like. <laughs> I can't really say. <laughs> All right. But, you know, we took an oath of, we, you take an oath. Of. When you start that to never reveal what well, you're going to do. Well, then you can't reveal yeah. it. Then you but, can't be, okay. Like, I mean, it was literally anything. But that first year was really preparing for the Holy Father's visit. But again, like, can it you didn't, at least tell the funny story between you and the Holy Father? When I told him to go to bed? Yeah, when you yelled yeah. at him? Yeah. Okay, so you yelled at Pope Francis. Well, so, okay, so it was at dinner. It was at dinner. It was at dinner, okay. And I don't remember which night I had to read back on my journals. I was exhausted. Yep. Okay, we'd have these events. Pope Francis is notorious. This is public information that he does not follow the schedule. Okay. You know, so dinner might have been scheduled for like 7 p.m. and he wouldn't get back. He was late. He was late. Like Latino. Like, yeah, like a Latino, like the Italians. (laughs) You know, the Italians eat late too. I'm learning now that I live in Italy. Okay. Um, but oh my gosh, we haven't even gotten. To yeah, that we haven't even gotten to that. Dude, it'd be like a three-part episode. That's fine. <laughs> I, I could go long for him three hours. But I, I don't remember what night it was. But he, we're having dinner. He's having dinner, and he, it's late. He, it's late for me. It felt like it, it was like two in the morning, but it was probably like eight thirty, nine o'clock. But I was just exhausted. We got up every morning at four thirty a.m. to pray morning office, mm. regardless of what time we went to bed. You prayed morning office with the Pope. No, okay. with the sisters. But, got like, it. we got up at 4.30. Okay. Regardless of what time we went to bed. Sure. So he's asking what's next. He asked me. He was like, what's next? And I was like, what do you mean, what's next? And he's like, what's next? And I was like, bed. You're going to bed next. <laughs> We're all going to bed. Yeah. And he kind of chuckles. I just remember the look on Archbishop Vigano's face. The Holy Father is sitting here. Archbishop Vigano is sitting across the table from him. And I'm like... I was like, we're going to bed. Everybody, everybody here is going to bed. And, uh, and he, he like chuckles, you know, and he's uh, like, I meant the next course. <laughs> I remember being, <laughs> I was so annoyed uh-huh. yeah. that A, I made a fool of myself like that. Uh-huh. And then B, that he was like thinking it was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, thank God he did. And I was like, fish, fish is the next course, oh you know, gosh. but he was very tender. Like I... I, I again like I think it didn't dawn on me because I remember sisters would be like you're so blessed you get to serve the Holy Father and I'd be like you want to go in my place because please by all means you know really? um yeah I just it did not 
dawn on me like what well you're 22 yeah and i just was i was like not really it was a very difficult apostolate i cried most days really um yeah, it was a difficult apostasy. It was very lonely. Not just thing. for the Holy Father, but like, even when he left, you remained in the embassy. Yeah, and the community there, just to be very frank, was super dysfunctional Got with it. the sisters. You know, so it was like all these kind of my, and I think this happens with every vocation. Like your rose-colored glasses are just shattered, and yeah. I was newly professed, so like very much like that honeymoon phase. Of like, I just made vows. I want, you know, this is what I've always wanted. This yeah. is what I want to do. Just completely shattered in the ma- in a matter of months, you know. What, um, what what kept you going? I mean, obviously you ended up leaving, right? But yeah, but you didn't leave right away. No, I stuck you, it out. I, I well, that leave? was only supposed to be a year long assignment, and it ended up being three. Got it. Um, what kept me going was prayer kept me going because I couldn't talk to my sisters about what was happening because everything was a mess that there and I wasn't you know like couldn't I, I didn't really talk with the with there was I had nobody to talk to essentially not even so a spiritual I w- director or a confessor or? I would go to confession yeah I would mm. go to confession to actually gosh God love him father Andrew Wadsworth I don't know if he's Monsignor Andrew Wadsworth now he's at um St. Thomas the Apostle in D.C., I would go to mm. confession. I'd just cry in the confessional. Oh. You know, on sat- every Saturday, I'd walk over to confession. And he was, you know, very, like, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. And, he, he, you know, like, he just tried. He, and he, I mean, had heard other sisters' confessions. He'd be like, yeah. I know that's a very difficult assignment. And, um, but it really drew me to prayer because I would just sit in the chapel and I'd be like, what am I doing here? And it was very, it was a very desolate time. I wasn't hearing anything back except for the one time I was, I was, I went to pray in the chapel and I was like, this is it. I'm going to ask mother to transfer me. And if she doesn't transfer me, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave the community. And I remember calling her. I was like very adamant of you need to transfer me. And she actually was like, I can't transfer you right now. And I was like, well, then I'll leave. And she was like, can you wait a couple of months? Can you wait until the summer? And I can better have an idea of, you know, schedules and see who I can send. And I was like, fine. I was like, great. You know, that's maybe three months away, four months away, whatever. And I remember going back to the chapel right after that phone call, thinking I would feel so relieved, you know? And I was, I remember saying in prayer, like, isn't this great Jesus? Like I can finally go. It's been over a year, you know, like I gave my year to this apostolate. It was only supposed to be a year. They asked for an extension. Archbishop Vigano asked if I could stay longer. And I just, I mean, like light as day, Jesus saying in response, if you leave here, you will leave me here. And I was like, I can't leave. So I left the chapel. I called mother and I was like, I take back everything I said. I have to stay. Wow. And I ended up sticking it out. And it really was, again, like there wasn't some kind of deep consolation that came with that. But I just remember thinking, I can't leave Jesus, you know. Do you think, was he inviting you closer to embrace the cross? Yes. And in hindsight, you know, looking back, like I have such a deep love for the church now in a way that I don't think I would have had had it not been for that experience. Really? Yeah, I would die for her. For the church. In a heartbeat, yes. For the church. Yeah. So you say that, right? Yeah. And I know there's probably a lot of details that we're not going through, um, but then why, why, we could go back and forth, but like, okay, so you would die for the church, but why did you end up leaving then? 
Because some, I don't know if some of our listeners yeah. would be like, well, I don't get it. If she loves the church so much, why'd she leave the yeah, convent? Like, so, so I want to kind of get to that. But, and I'm going back and forth, but so that was, you ended up being in for how long total? Eight years. Eight years. So that was the first three years. Correct? No, this was the second. So I was in the, went through initial oh, formation, yeah, two, three, three years. years. This right. was the next three so years. So four, five, six. Yes. So when, so, when one year, what, six year six was ended and that apostle ended. Yes. Where did you, what did you do for I the I went next back two years? to the provincial house and okay. I was sent to school to St. Louis University. Okay. Um, right. I... Archbishop Vigano asked essentially if I could stay until he retired. So I left. He retired. You got along with him well? Yeah. 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 He was great. Really? So that was another part. So it was prayer kept me there. But then also he and the other, um, uh, not ambassadors, but like. Like his secretary or something? Yeah, his secretaries who were also, um from the Vatican. Yep. I'm blanking on the word. I'm having uh, like a complete brain nuncios. fart. Not um, nu- he was a nuncio, yeah. but then there were other there were other priests who were okay. assigned there. Right. They'd be similar to like foreign service officers. Sure, sure. Um to, like you know, the because the United the States or like the, the United States is so large, they have yeah. to split it into different sections. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you also work at the Vatican itself? Mm-hmm. Is, oh, is that coming yeah, it's later? it's all part. It's all one. Oh, so it's all yeah. in there. It, that's in that yeah. three years. So you mm-hmm. worked at the Vatican too. Yeah. And you probably can't talk about a lot, but yeah. is there anything you would say about your time at the Vatican? It was rough. I mean, that entire, like, that entire time was just like a desert. Well, because, you, I yeah. mean, I, I think in a job like that, it's probably impossible and to not see lonely. the flaws yes, of the church. So very why, much. why have you seen like the yuckiest of the yuckiest and yet you still love the church and yet you left the convent. So Yeah. No, I'll get to that. Okay. But yeah, I was going to say Archbishop Vigano and the other priests that were there were very, very like helpful with my vocation, mm. with keeping me there. I, you know, they were very honest about like, this is, <laughs> no good. this is, you know, a difficult postulate. And I remember one in particular, um, he was like, he told he would tell me about one assignment that he had many years ago where he ex- encountered very similar things. So I would say between prayer and the support of the other priests, because community life was a hot mess, the support of the other priests really is what kind of kept me going. Okay, um, I did finish that time after Arch after Vigano left. Then I was transferred out. I was sent back to school, and the closer I got to final vows I was like this I just felt very much on the fence about it of like is this what I'm supposed to be doing and I that really came to light for me after it was my first time renewing vows after that time at the Vatican had ended and I remember kneeling before mother with the vow formula in my hand and I was like I don't know if I can say this, Mm. you know, and I didn't want to make final vows because it was the next thing. It was an expectation. And also at this point, they expected you to do it. Well, just everybody, you know, you enter the convent, everybody's so excited. My parish was excited. Like I, you, there's this sense of a pressure of like, you don't want to let anyone down, you know, especially when you've been doing it for that long. Mm. Um, there was one sister who ended up leaving, and I remember before she left, she made final vows when I became a novice. 
she was like, I should have never made final vows. I just did it because I wanted to make, every, you know, mm. I was, I was saying what mother wanted, what I thought mother wanted to hear, what I thought everybody else wanted to hear, but I didn't take a hard, honest look at myself. Mm. Um, you know, God. of like, should I be doing this? Should yeah. I say forever? But then in the midst of that too, there were a lot of wounds that took that I, that happened during that time at the Nunchator in community life. And when I would talk to my provincial about it, it was like, it'll get better, you know, or you don't look like you're having a hard time because I was, I wasn't going to like bring my sadness or whatever to community life. So she was like, you're always smiling. And I'd be like, well, I'm telling you, I'm not okay. You know, like I was having panic attacks, like couldn't sleep, like deep depression, you know, all these things. And it was probably a, my wounds from before religious life. But then things that were piled on as well that I, I didn't get to work through because yeah. I didn't feel supported by my community. And I didn't want to make final vows with all of this, you know, hanging over. Wow. So that was when I, I mean, there was like other stuff that went down that I was like, this is it. Like, I'm not, I'm definitely not going to, I'm not, I'm leaving, <laughs> you know, um, but I can't, I don't want to put all the blame on the community because there were definitely, I always explain it as like, it was like that the community's wounds and my wounds could not reconcile. Okay. You know what I mean? Like. Did you have peace in leaving? Not right away. But um, when I left, I was in DC for the March for Life when okay. something happened and I was like, I'm out. You know, really? this is it. I'm out. Was mother upset? I don't know, maybe this mother, <laughs> I don't, that's, oh, at that it, point I was it. like, that's not my problem if she's upset because this is partly her fault. But, oh, um, got it, got it. How the, about your mom when you were leaving? Oh, she was upset. She was. She yeah. I couldn't stay. go home for the first no. like couple of weeks. Yeah. I crashed on my best friend from no college way. couch. Yeah. My bed. Well, she had a guest bedroom, but well, I crashed at her house. I guess yeah. not to say too much or embarrass her, but why? Because in the beginning she was scared for you to go. Now, yeah, why I go? think because she was like, well, what are you going to do out here? You know, like just like for a job. Yeah. For like a job or like she just thought this there was some kind of an altercation that mm. I needed to get over. But she didn't know. Like, I didn't tell anybody well, in the outside of like. Yeah. And yeah. but like even that, like I'm just a private person when it comes to these sorts of things Got to it. begin with. Like even now, I'm very careful about what I say and how I say it because I never want to make the community look bad. Like I have no hard feelings. I still love them. Like I still recommend, you know, when I meet other young women who are discerning, I'm like, and they describe kind of what they're looking for. I'm like, Oh, check out this community. I used to be there, you know? So it's not like something that I ever want. I don't ever want to discourage other people from discerning religious life. I never want to like add on to people's hangs up, you know, hang ups when it comes to the church or to, you know, like I'm, I just, I'm very careful <laughs> because we live in a world that hates the Catholic church yeah. and will use anything and everything to, as an excuse against her. Why do you still love the church with everything that you Because see? she's Jesus's bride. You so know? what does the ex not on the run mean? Where did that come <laughs> from? How did that happen? So I, le- so I just start, you know, I, 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 I was leaving I went to my spirit when I, I called my spiritual director at the time and he I remember he was like you use very colorful language did you tell Vigano by the way 
not until later. Later, okay, got yeah, it. So, not until later. All right, so your spiritual use. So yeah, I called him. I was like, I'm out, and he was like, You need to come here to his where he where he was because he was like, You need to leave the right way because mm. I was like, I I remember calling a friend from college that I went to college with before the convent. I was like, You need to come pick me up because I was in D.C. for the March for Life, and he and she was living in Maryland at the time or Virginia, and I was like, You need to come pick me up. I'm leaving. You know the community. And I called my spiritual director from their house and he was like, you need to come here. You can't be spending the night at your friend's house, you yeah, know? Yeah. And he was like, I'll call mother. Cause he knew the community really well. He was like, I'll call mother. I'll tell her you're with me, whatever. And I didn't hear from her until a few days after that even. Okay. Um, and I remember thinking like, I was so sick to my stomach about it. And she, and he, and I remember thinking this was, you know, just like something we'll talk th- talk it out and I'll move forward, whatever. Like I was like, I, what else am I going to do with my life? I've been a sister for over five years, you yeah, know, like yeah, it's yeah. been almost a decade. And, and I, I was like, I don't even know who I am outside of sister Emanuela. And like, my hair was your length, you know, like I was like, I can't go back into the world looking like this. Wow. Like all these things of like, I don't have a bank account. I don't have a job. I have nothing to my name, you know? Um, and I remember telling father, I was like, I'm going to go back with mother. Cause mother was going to be coming to his rectory she's like I'm, I told him I was like I'm gonna go back with mother like I just needed maybe like a few days to like really think about things and he was like do you want to come with me to pick her up at the airport and I went with him and the minute I saw her I kid you not I was like I'm not going back with her really yeah and that was you know and I remember sitting down to talk with her another sister came with her father was also in the room she's going on and on and I was like she was like, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go back to school. And I was like, well, it's fine because I'm not coming back with you at all. Wow. And that was how that happened. Wow. Yeah. And how would she take that? Did she try I to think she was. Safe? I don't think they were expecting that. Okay. I mean, like when she and the other sister was leaving, like it was like tears. Mm. Wow. You know. But you said I've been for five years, but I thought it was eight years. Over five years, over five yeah, years. almost a decade. Over five years, yeah. So, all right. So, so then I left. Yeah, I left, and I I called my mom, and I told her I was like, I'm leaving, and she was mad at me because she was like, What are you gonna do in the world? You don't, you know. And I was like, I don't know, but I'm not going back. And I called my college roommate, and I went and stayed with her. She was living in Pennsylvania at the time, and I went and stayed with her until I could kind of figure out the next what year step. Is this? 2019 2019 yeah get out no yeah really yeah okay because that's when i that's when i first connected with you again because i don't know if you remember this so well we connected before that because we ran into each other you were I in dc your dog was here just scared the crap out of me <laughs> oh, he's, got, he's got tape on his mouth romeo what are you doing oh, come here buddy you came to D.C. for the March for Life. I ran into you outside of the shrine. And then yeah. in 2019, when we reconnected, because you had heard I left the convent or something well, like that. I think I saw you on Instagram. So what happened was, just to rekindle a memory and also to let you guys know how we, how, why we're friends now. I mean, uh, so I, my brother died in uh, 2017 in May, right? Uh, almost a year later, in April 2018, I took a medical leave of absence with permission oh, from the cardinal. I remember now, okay? yeah. I ended up being gone for about seven and a half months, okay? Mm-hmm. About seven and a half months I was gone. And in that time, not a lot of access to like 
you know, media, TV, stuff like that. Yeah. While I was away, the whole McCarrick thing broke. Oh, okay? yes. And oh, my gosh. In 2018, August 2018, I'm still away, right? I was on vacation when that happened with a couple of sisters. So when I, when I get back in November 2018, even though the news has been out for about three months, I'm only really learning about it and yeah. the details about it. And I come back in November, to, and I start to get like really, 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 really scandalized. And I think at that time, somehow the Lord put your path and my path because we connected online. I had no idea that you left or why you left. I hadn't left you, yet. You hadn't In 2018, no. Well, then maybe we spoke in 2019 because yeah. you helped me through that. You helped me. I had a lot of questions, and I know we can't talk yeah. about it right now. But I had questions about I all this stuff. I forgot about that. That's how we first yes. connected. Yes. Yeah, I thought I, it was over COVID. No, it was over McCarrick. Well, maybe it was. No, it was over. No, it was, it was over. Before, no, I, now before, that you mentioned, I remember. I remember texting and having and. But I thought you had a, so you, each you, other. You had an account while you were still with the yeah the months? when I was a sister. Oh, yes, okay. and then because you have because I, had a lot I remember of when I left, I still. I remember, like, on Facebook, I got a message from actually a mutual friend of ours, and she was like, I think someone hacked your Facebook that's saying you're not in the convent anymore. I was like, really? no, nobody hacked my Facebook. Wow. I left. Yeah, I think that's what it was. I saw you on Facebook, mm -hmm. too. And I had any... And then all of a sudden, a lot of stuff, and I don't know what year it was, the whole Vigano thing happened. Yeah, that was and like I, 2019, 2020. I always went to you about yeah. it, and you helped me with that stuff. I, not to say what you said or anything like that. No, yeah. But, um, well, I don't know. Is it fair to say that you... Is it fair, I could cut this out. Is it fair to say that you agreed with a lot of what he said? Yeah, I mean, for sure, the first three letters, I stopped kind of keeping okay. track after that. I know he's okay. written a lot more, but... Okay, all right, yeah. yeah. You helped me with that, yeah. with that stuff. You knew some of that stuff. Um, and, uh, okay, so you leave, you so leave. So I leave, yeah. And you and go then and stay in Pennsylvania. Go and stay in Pennsylvania. I eventually do go back to my mom's in New Jersey. Got it. Um, and... Got a job at that point. I was going to be going. I, I was still a student at SLU and SLU was great. They were like, you can, you know, come back. We have an emergency because I was like, I can't pay for college now. And they're like, we have an emergency fund for this reason. In case things happen with students, you can, you know, access that. And I remember thinking I like I just can't go back to school I just didn't want to scandalize other students. And I remember thinking I don't want to, you know, have left in a habit one day and then return on habit of the next with my like short hair, uh -huh, you know? Uh -huh. And so I was, I told them, I was like, I'm just going to take the semester off and see, you know, get home, kind of resettle back into the world and see what happens. And I got a job and that was February of 2019. And then gosh, God bless his soul. This man who I actually met in St. Louis university, Paul Murphy, he was like, if you need anything at all, you know, I'm happy to help you if you need help, like writing a resume or if you need money or whatever. And I was like, no, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm going to, I don't want to, you know, take advantage of that. And he was like, you should go on, you know, on travel, go on pilgrimage, whatever. And I was like, I can't afford any of that right now. And somehow the Camino de Santiago came up and he was like, I'll pay for you to go on the Camino. And I was like, I am not, you know, like, I don't want to just 
say yes to that because I don't feel comfortable saying yes to that. And he was like... Does he have to go out? What? Does he need no. to go out? Okay. He'll be crying if he needs to go out. Oh, but dang. he um, was like, talk to father, this Jesuit priest I knew at SLU. He was like, and, and that priest was like, you should take Paul up on that. Like that is, you know, you are not being like taking advantage of anybody. Like that is a gift that he wants to give you. You should. Mm. So, I, so I did. I, I quit that job that I only had for like eight weeks or however long it was. And in March... Uh, May 2019, I left to go to Europe. And well, what was your first job? What was your first job getting out of the convent? Getting Just out of the know. convent, I was working at a nursing home. Okay. I love right. old people. And you love wood. old people. I love old That's people. That's what we're going to have and to get So I was to doing that. like helping to do like activity. Like I was like an activities coordinator at this nursing home right. in Englewood. So you do that for eight weeks and then you go. Yeah. Walk the El Camino. Yeah, so, the, so, well, Paul was like, go, you know, go to um, Loyola first to okay. where San Ignatius was born. Unbelievable. And I went there. It was a beautiful experience. Loyola, Spain. Yeah, Loyola, yep. Spain. And then he was like, and then go to Lourdes because Lourdes is super close to there. And <laughs> don't worry, he won't. He'll be okay. Romeo, get over here. So I go to Loyola, Spain. And then after Loyola, Paul was like, go to Lourdes. And I went to Lourdes, and it was the most beautiful experience. And I ended up starting my Camino from Lourdes. I filled up my water bottle with Lourdes water, and I started walking to Santiago de Compostela. Lourdes, France, to Santiago de Compostela, uh, I don't know how to say it, Spain. The Camino, for those who don't know what the Camino is, how can we very briefly describe what the Camino is? It's a pilgrimage hike. You can start from anywhere. Um, to the tomb of St. James the Apostle, St. James the Greater in mm. Santiago de wow. Compostela, Spain. So it's in the very northwest tip of Spain. How, how long did it take you? I mean, I stopped counting after like day 30-something because I ended up, well, I walked all the way to Santiago and then from there went to Fatima. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. So you went to two Marian sites and, on top of that. I but started way, and ended in a Marian site, yeah. And did you, I mean... So were you mostly by yourself? I was, were you with yeah. people? I was by myself, but you meet so many people along the way. Got it. Um, and along the way, I met two CFRs. My homeboys, yep. Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and a deacon friend of theirs. Are you allowed so to the say three who they them, were? Yes, yeah, so it was Father Conrad. Father Conrad. And Brother John Bosco. Brother John Bosco. And the deacon's name is Mark. Okay. So the three of them, three middle-aged men and me walking. You know, I met them maybe like three weeks in for me. Got it. And didn't tell them right away that I was an ex-sister Did and not. that I had just left the convent. Mm. Um, I'm sure they could, I mean, I was so heartbroken, you know, I remember I just like was so heartbroken at this time and I'm sure like brother and they must've like gotten a sense of it. Cause I remember that first night after I met them, I ended up staying in the same albergue as the three of them. Albergues are the hostels, but only pilgrims who are walking the Camino can stay in them. I only heard the word gay. What was that? Albergue. Okay. Sorry. So what does that mean? I ended up staying in the same albergue. It's, again, the pilgrimage host, pilgrim hostel okay. for those walking the Camino. And um, that first night, <laughs> Brother John Bosco was like, I don't know. I don't remember what he said, but he has like a gift of, you know, being able to like sense some things. So he, I don't remember what he said to me, but I was like, 
I, I was like, well, I'm going through a huge like life change right now and kind of trying to figure out where I'm, what I'm supposed to do with my life. But I also did the Camino um, as an act of Thanksgiving mm. because I knew even at that then that like that time eight years in religious life was something, you know? And I, I, I was like, I don't know what you have for me next, Lord, but I just want to say thank you. And also to like ask him like, well, where, what, what do we do now? Yeah. Um, and I ended up, I remember the next morning I was like, I'm going to, okay, bye, you know, to the three of them. And then we like ran, ended up catching up somewhere along the way, but we ended up walking. But did you tell him that night? No. So I told, I told them a couple days later. Got it. All right. So, um, but I, I told, at least I know for sure I told Father Conrad and Mark a couple days later. I probably told Brother John Bosco a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. But I ended up walking all the way to Santiago with the three of them. And we kind of got other people joined us in and out along the way. But the four of us really became like the Camino family. And I remember being like, I hope they're okay with with me hanging, you know, hanging around like these three middle-aged men. <laughs> and then me, you know. Um, but the, you know, as I shared my story, that was when people were like, started calling us a two friars, a deacon, an ex-nun on the run. Wow. Other people did. Yeah. I didn't come up with that myself. So So it was kind of like, you know how like on hikes and stuff you get like on the, I've heard this happen on the PCT where you get like a hiking nickname. Okay. So that was, I guess my nickname. I wonder what they, the girl. A trail name. I, am I Scary Barry? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so you are, so, okay, so it wasn't Brother John Bosco that named you that? No, oh, so I don't remember. It was another pilgrim, but that's. Two CFRs, a deacon, and the ex nun on the run. Two friars, a deacon, and ex nun on the run. And you liked it? I just thought, I was like, that's kind of fun, you know, and I remember making it my Instagram handle. Right away. Pretty much, yeah. Did you come away from the, uh, doing the way, as a, it's also known as the way, the uh, Camino, uh, with a greater sense of, peace in your decision to leave? Yes, for sure. Definitely. And I think it wasn't until I was in Fatima because I never planned. So I, my plan was I'm going to go to Santiago, get to Santiago Mm. and then, um, travel around Spain. And Mm. at one point, father Conrad along the way was like, you should go to Fatima. And I was like, why? (laughs) You know, I was like, I already did one Marian shrine. And in my head, Fatima felt like so far away, you know, um, from Santiago, and he was like, I think you should just go there. There are these nuns you can stay with that I'm friends with, and I was like, the last place I want to be yeah. is with a bunch of nuns, yeah, you know? Yeah. And um, get to Santiago, we say goodbye. It was, I remember it was really hard to say goodbye to them because they had become this very safe place. I always, I told them later, I was like, you three are like the trinity. Like, Mark was God the Father. He was very, you know, he, he did all the logistics stuff, but, like, was just very fatherly in a quiet way. Um, and Father Conrad, Jesus, because he celebrated Mass for us every single day, and Brother John Bosco was the Holy Spirit. Like, that's who they represented to me, and they very much healed just, like, their interaction and their love mm. and their being a place of safety for me was, like, very healing throughout the Camino. And... um said goodbye to them in Santiago and I was like I don't want to just stop walking so I ended up walking all the way to the coast of Spain to Finisterre and then this other town called Muxia. Muxia is this tiny middle of nowhere fishing village but our legend 
has it that Our Lady appeared to St. James there. You know, you shall go to the ends of the earth. At the time, when St. James would have gone, that's what they thought was the ends of the earth. Um, and it was while I was in Muxia, I had this dream. It was a crazy dream with St. Joseph. And St. Joseph was like, you need to go to Fatima. And I was like, this is crazy. I just was like, I'm, you know, like, I was like, who has... St. Joseph of, appeared Saint to Joseph you. St. Joseph in my you, dream. I don't want to, no, no, you know, so St. Joseph so, in hey, my dream. Excuse me, but the Holy Spirit <laughs> appeared to Joseph several times in his dreams. Yeah, so it was in the dream. St. Joseph was like, you need to go to Fatima. And I was like, this is crazy. But next thing I know, I'm going to Fatima. And Father Conrad, you know, had told me to look up those sisters. They were Dominicans of the Most Holy Rosary. They were a cloistered community. And he was like, call them and tell them you're friends with me. And they have a guest house. Maybe you can stay at their guest house. So I called them. And I was like, this isn't going to sound crazy, but I was told I could call you Father Conrad, who's a CFO. You know, I go through the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, well, where are you? I was like, well, I'm walking to Fatima. <laughs> I'm walking to Fatima. And I remember the sister was like, you're what? And, um, and she was like, she was like, how far away are you? I was like, I don't really know. I'm averaging like 20 miles a day. And, um, and she was like, well, when you get closer, give us a call. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry and I that. did maybe like a few days before I would have, you know, projected to arrive in Fatima. I called them and they're like, okay, yeah, you know, whenever you get here, we'll be here. And, yeah. and I'll never forget mother Lucia, the prioress. I don't know if she's still the prioress, but the prioress of the convent. She was called named the mother Lucia. She was, her name was mother Lucia. Yeah. So they just happened to be an English-speaking Dominican community in Fatima. In Fatima. In Fatima. And the mother superior's name is Lucia, named after... Yes, S after S Sister Lucia. Sister Lucia, who's now St. Lucia. But um, she, she was like, we don't have any guests right now. You're our only guest, so we're not going to have you stay in the guest house. I hope it's okay with you that you stay like where our priests, the guest rooms for when they have priests come to visit. And she's like, and that way you'll have access to the chapel at all times yeah. because they had in the hallway where these rooms were, I guess where priests typically stay is a balcony that looks right into the chapel to the tabernacle. Got it. So she takes me up to the room. Guess what it's called? St. Joseph. No way. Dead. See, I have a photo of it. No way. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to ever forget it. Wow. And I just was like, what? The room you're staying in. The room I'm staying was called St. Joseph. And that every day of that visit, I would visit with Mother Lucia. And then I'd go to the, you know, the Capolina and to the different sites in Fatima. But that time really kind of, A, helped me process the Camino, having walked, I don't know, like 60-something days. But then B, kind of process like, oh, I, I left the convent and what is, what am I supposed to do now? So and you were I, there for 60 more days? No, like walking the Camino, oh, got it, got you it. know, from Lourdes to Fatima yeah. took 60 And then, so it was days. good. So you did all that, but then I you did had all time, that to, time to, to process. To, and yeah. I was, I, would, I remember telling her, I was like, I'm only going to stay a couple days and it ended up being at least a week mm. that I was there. And she was, they were great about it. Mm. Um, and 2019? In 2019, yeah, this was... Before the pandemic. Before the, right before the pandemic. Wow. And I, I mean, it was in Fatima when I very much felt this certainty of this is almost like a second chance at life that I'm getting wow. of like, I don't want to just have a mediocre life mm. or live this like lukewarm state, you know? Yep. 
and and that's kind of what's projected me into all the things I do now. But I mean, I, I had, you know, I literally had nothing. When I tell people I had nothing, like everything I owned, earthly possessions fit in that Camino backpack. You know, I had like no money in my bank account except for what Paul would put in, which yeah. I just found out, you know, if we could pray for Paul, I just found out he died. No. Yeah. No, last week. Yeah. Last See, week? No, no. Like he died in January, but last week I found out he died because I was like, I just... I think it might have been, I don't know if I, why I felt, oh, because it would have been like the anniversary. It's, it's coming up the anniversary of when I arrived in Santiago. And I arrived in Santiago on June 28th, 2019. So I was like, Ooh. oh, let me look him up. Like, I was like, I haven't talked to Paul in ages. Let me just like. Very quick face- review. How'd you know him again? Through my, he was involved with St. Louis University. He was like Got a parent him. volunteer. All right. Eternal rest granted to him, O Lord, mm-hmm. and let perpetual light shine upon him. Amen. May he rest in peace. May his soul and the souls of all the faith of the departed through the mercy of God rest, rest in, peace. in peace. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners uh, now and at yeah, the hour of our death. death. Yeah. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, so I, was, I just wanted to like Facebook message him like, hey, how's it going? You know, and then I come to find out he had died in January, 57 years old. And I just like, I know he knows I was thankful because I always said, thank you so much. But, and that's why I'm able to share his name now. Cause he was like, don't ever tell people that I did this. You know, I, I wanted to name. stay anonymous. His name is amazing. <laughs> his name represents all names. It is the name under all names. No. Um, all right. Look, um, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You're, you're fine. You're yeah. totally fine because we're at an hour and 40, I think. Yeah. An hour and 40. Are you okay? How are I'm you doing? Hour 40. I'm a little hungry, um, <laughs> a little tired, achy, sore. Can we go to a diner after? Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, I'm saying, like, we're only, like, halfway through your story. It's like, and I don't want to, like, rob people because, like, I'm starting to get a little tired. I don't know how Joe Rogan does three-hour podcasts, but there's <laughs> so much more to tell. There's just so yeah, much more to tell. It's just like the ridiculous. beginning. All right. Well, let me just say this. So do you want to keep going? Yeah, I'm you, okay you, to keep you're going. Good. You're good. Yeah. You're totally fine. You haven't taken a sip of water. No, I've been taking sips. I Meanwhile, I want like espresso shots. Like I am, I want Tylenol. Um, I don't, you know. So, because. Romeo's living the dream down there. You are um, one of what you, your life, what's going on now is one of the most fascinating I, I, I don't know where to start. So well, let me I just say with this. So, the, I, I, so we know how the X Nun on the Run got started. Right? Yes. But has it become something like why? Like, all right. So because it, it's not like you're the X Nun on the Run from the church. Yeah. How would you describe it? I would say I'm X. When people are like, what, what are you running from? And I'm like, I always am like, I'm not running from everything. I'm running to heaven. X Nun on the Run. Oh, to. God, see, my mind is very just pessimistic. And I think most people do because there was a time when I was told, like, this handle gives the wrong impression, you know? Okay. It can make people think that you don't like the church, that you're running from the church, or, like, you you know, everybody always thinks, oh, she left the convent, there's scandal involved, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, and sure. Um, I'm like, well, great. That can be a great conversation starter then, you know, or they can start following along and seeing most of my content is about Catholicism or about the church or my views about what's happening 
with current church stuff or sharing about different things with my spiritual life or prayer life or, you know, being Catholic is such, it's very much the core of who I am. So everything else flows from it. It's, I, it's, I can never separate my identity as a Catholic away from Marilis, you know? Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. so everything I share, I hope, I hope that comes across. Um, because I've been told, well, you need to like cut back on the Catholicism aspect. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. What do you mean? With like different brands and stuff who want to possibly work together. They, they tell you that. Mm-hmm. So, how, okay, brands and everything. She's getting freaking offers. Okay, look at me. Look at my, I got nothing in here. Nothing. And I'm very like, <clears throat> I know not everything is black and white, but I very much see my like. Is. <laughs> so is Romeo. Mine too, actually, today. Amen. Um, you know, like it is very black and white. You're either with the with the Lord yeah. and and the church's teachings, or yep. you're not. And we live in a world right now where tragically it is very black and white. The fact that we have to have conversations about the dignity of life, the dignity of the human person, the fact that we have to de- actually define what a man or a woman is. Like it's we're at that point where things are, there is no more gray area. It is very black and white. And I'm just, I'm the type of person that'll say that. And, but it comes from like, this is what the church teaches about this issue. There is no middle ground here. And I've been told, well, you need to like simmer down on that a little bit. I'm like, well, bye. Bye bye. You can, you know, go talk, go talk to the next, you know, social justice warrior because that ain't me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so look, okay, so you get back from, and not that we have to do detail, yeah. detail, but like you get back you, from the Camino. I get back from the Camino. I moved to D.C. I moved ended up, to D.C. Yeah, I ended up transferring from SLU. Okay. I right, ended up going back to school, finish, you know, um, and then I get a job. Why did you want to go back to D.C. when that was an area of such... Pain because I didn't want to be living at home with my mom, okay. but I also Even didn't. She seems like the coolest person. She is ever. the coolest person ever. Amazing. But I didn't want to like live at home and get stuck with. Yeah. Excuse me, just being at home, you know. Sure. I was. I had a degree that I wanted to finish. Okay. Um, I went to D.C. because it was a familiar city to me. I had you know gone there as a pre-convent as a college student. I had lived there as a sister, Got it. and so it was a familiar right. city where homey, I still, yeah, it was homey. homey. All right. So I went back to D.C., ended up getting a job in Virginia after, okay. and, then, and then COVID hit. Oh, that's right. So you were in uh, Virginia for COVID? Yeah. You were the whole time? Pretty much the whole okay. time, Not yeah. Not really working or maybe working for I was home. working. You were, well, okay. Yeah, I was working. Um, I... Yeah, I was working in Virginia, and then um, I did not want to comply with the, <laughs> with the mandates. Re- oh, with the mandates, yeah. the COVID mandates. Yeah, okay. with the COVID mandates. What, how come? I just didn't feel, I just, I felt very um, unsettled by the fact that the government was putting people in a corner of, if okay. you don't do this, you will lose your job you will not be able to eat in restaurants. You will, you know, like insert any kind of, you know, ultimatum here. And I just was like, hey, where's the research behind all this? Uh You know, it's just there were just a lot of red flags. Yeah. Um, And I just didn't feel comfortable. You know, I'm not anti-vax by any means. Okay. But I just am like, why, you know, 
why would they? YouTube is totally gonna flag this part anyway, so it doesn't even matter. So just say <laughs> Sorry, but you I'm want. not. You know, I'm no. not anti any of that. I just I'm like, I don't see why we need to force people to lose their jobs, lose their livelihoods. We're yeah. shutting businesses down. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. I remember going to mass and not being allowed into mass because they had reached their quota of you can only have 50 people go to mass now. I'm like, but meanwhile, that's after they locked the churches for. Yeah, a while. this was after. This was where already when they're starting to open up yeah, the churches yeah. and and you know. And allow people to go back to mass. I'm like, meanwhile, Target's packed to the wazoo. You know, like I was like, none of this makes any sense to me. Um, finally, travel was allowed. Damn, Target is packed. Oh, yeah. To the wazoo. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, but you meanwhile, could go to an alcohol store. Get yeah, a, get get some alcohol. Exactly. But, yep. Like all these things. I was like, and meanwhile, they just reached their quota of 50 people, and you're telling me I can't go to mass? I've been waiting in li- literally. People would get to the basilica to the shrine in dc wait in line to go into mass and they would cut it off after a certain number and i was like one of the little chapels (laughs) is more than large enough to be you know be more than six feet apart from each other to have a quote-unquote safe mass but yet you're not letting people come because you know the church as a whole did not i can't speak for every diocese i don't know i'm not a bishop i don't i'm not the one that makes has to make decisions but they could have been much more creative right and i just i was there were some dioceses that were some priests that were i mean i did find a church in virginia in the arlington diocese where i ended up going to mass instead because father was like we're not having it pretty much you know and he added extra masses they had masses every hour on the hour to be able to accommodate for these things but yeah. anyway I, there was just a lot of red flags I did not feel comfortable or settled you know Got I just it. was not at peace with it and thankfully travel in Europe did open back up in 2021 in May of 2021 um, I was working at a school at the time so we had the summer off and I was like I'm gonna go to Italy to see I'm still very close with my former mother superior Whose, vow, whose hands I placed mine into to make vows. Really? So, not, so not the one that you said you were leaving, but the yeah, original one. Yeah, the one before her. Got it. So I was like, I'm going to go see mother. I haven't seen her, you know. And um, I'm in Italy, and that was only supposed to be a week-long visit. It ended up being four months. No. <laughs> yeah, because it was, again, this is God, how God works in my life. I... Um, mother you know i'm trying to talk to mother i was like yeah school is fine work is fine you know i just kind of was like at the time didn't realize that i had hit kind of like this mediocre sense in my life where it was like everything's okay but i wasn't like passionate about anything you know i was kind of going through the motions and she was like why don't you move back to italy and i was like you know let me just move on to another country like how does one just do that you can't just do that and she was like we'll pray about it and mother is like one of those people that she like will say something and it like happens you know and um i go to assisi i'm praying at the tomb of saint francis in assisi and i'm like listen like i once a franciscan always a franciscan like i'm your spiritual daughter you know like i don't know what i'm supposed to do but i'm not like passionate like passionate about anything in my life whatever like what is it you want or like these these are the desires in my heart i laid it all out for him i want to serve the vulnerable i want to travel the world i want to like not be you know um bound to a nine to five job nothing wrong with a nine to five but like i just was like i don't want to be doing this like going through the motions of my life and i kid you not i leave the basilica of saint francis i leave the tomb 
I check my phone half an hour later. I get an Instagram DM from this girl that I went to college with before the convent. Her name is Lucy. We were maybe acquaintances, like not close friends. And she was like, hey, I live in Italy now. I'm engaged, you know, I'm engaged to, to be married to this Italian that I met and um, would love to see you. And I was like, listen, Lucy, like she was all the way up in Verona, which is maybe five hours from Rome. I was like, I, I just, I'm leaving in like two days. I don't have time to take a train up to Verona. And she goes, well, if you decide, you know, for whatever reason you want to stay longer, I do have my apartment because I'm moving into the apartment where I'm going to be living with my husband eventually, you know. She's like, we, we're signing the lease, I'm moving in, and he's going to move in after we get married. And I was like, oh, are you subletting it, like her old place? And she was like, no, the rent is paid through till September. So wow. it's yours if you want it. Shut up. That's how God works. And I remember going back to Rome, and I told mother, and I was like, is this like a sign? You know what, even is this? And she goes... Yeah, it's a sign to stay. And she goes, she goes, let's go to St. Peter's. So we go to St. Peter's for Mass. She goes, and, and I'm praying about it after Mass at the tomb of JP2. I was like, what do I do? I can't just like, you know, I have all these other responsibilities back home. And all I kept hearing was the word stay. And so I ended up going to Verona and I stayed in Verona for four months. But that, I mean, that summer I was just gallivanting around Italy. Like every other day I was in a different town, different, re I saw all of Italy that, that summer. And then at one point, the end of July, early August, I get an offer to go to Medjugorje. And Cardinal Seurat was going to be the head speaker. No, yeah. No way. I get a call from somebody <laughs> and they were like, do you want to go to Medjugorje? Well, Cardinal you in Italy going around for those four months. Were you working at all? Like, no. No. I okay. was like living off my savings and wow. checking, you know, from like my, my job that I had. Right. So you're, now um, you get an invite to Medjugorje. Yeah. I get an invite to Medjugorje. And it was just so providential because at this point, Italy was going to be um, enacting what was called the Green Pass at the time. And the Green Pass was essentially a piece of paper that stated whether or not you were, you know, vaccinated. And then that gave, that gave you access to go to restaurants. They gave you access to take public transportation, to go to the grocery store, et cetera. All the, I mean, they were doing the same things here, right? And so I was like, this is it. Like, I just need to cave. You know, I was in grad school at the time. Like, even my graduate school was going to be requiring it. I was like, I just, there's no way out. Like, I can't, there's no more avoiding this. And I went to the pharmacy in Verona. And they were like, you can't do it today. You can come back tomorrow morning. And I was like, okay. So I made the appointment to go back to get vaccinated. And I'm on the bus praying memorares to Our Lady. And I was like, just give me peace. If this is what I'm supposed to do, just give me peace, you know? And literally, like, finish the, you know, the emergency novena, Mother Teresa's emergency novena, where you pray nine memorares yeah, yeah, all yeah. at once. I pray it. Finish the ninth one. My phone rings, and it's a call. Do you want to come to Medjugorje? Cardinal Seurat is going to be, no is leading. They have what's called Malati Fest every year, and it's essentially like a youth festival in Medjugorje every year, which I didn't know it was Malati Fest, but they were like, Cardinal Seurat is going to Medjugorje. Because I was always very skeptical about Medjugorje before yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. Um, I was like, it's not officially... So you, were, you, you didn't have to get um, the vaccine for Medjugorje. Why no, were you going? I needed to get... I, oh. I needed to just make show a negative COVID got test. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So I... Um, 
I was very skeptical about Medjugorje. I was like, it's not officially approved by the church yet, even though Pope Francis had approved pilgrimages there. I just was like, I'll wait until it's officially like. Is that true? Lord's- Has he approved pilgrimages? Yeah, in 2017, he approved he did. it. Yeah. Oh, sweet. So you can make pilgrimage there, but because the apparitions are still happening, the church can't investigate yet. But um, I respect Cardinal Seurat so much yeah. and trust trust him and so i was like well if he's going then i'll then i'll go and that week i mean sixty thousand young people from all over the world descended upon medjugorje and the entire theme was like do not be afraid and not necessarily just jp2 be not afraid but it was like do not be afraid of like the things of the world all these things that are happening like to feel pressured to whatever like i just remember cardinal Seurat was so on fire and you know like thousands of other priests were there celebrating the liturgy with him every day and i had never been and i've been to like other large you know thousands of thousands of people type gatherings with pope francis world youth days etc but i'd never been in an outdoor adoration with sixty thousand other people where you could hear a pin drop i kid you not I was like, this, like Medjugorje, like if this is what Medjugorje mm. is, and I, you know, I believe. Mm. Um, and there was just such a reverence for the Eucharist, such a reverence for the liturgy that I hadn't experienced in that kind of a setting yeah, before, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I, I left Medjugorje just even more convicted that I'm not going to comply. <laughs> and I get back to Italy, I get back to Rome, and I remember emailing my job and I was like these are all the reasons why I don't believe in this and why I'm not going to be forcing children to mask you know I was working with children with who had autism who had all kinds of learning disabilities and like Mm -hmm. speech being able to speak seeing mouths actually move is essential in their learning yeah essential for all children but especially children with special needs you know yeah my best friends have a a a child that went to school for speech and he had to wear the mask yeah he was going for speech and my i had one student who in first grade who had down syndrome and he would just chew he already had a hard time speaking and he would just chew through the mask it's like this can't be good for him you know and i i remember laying it all out for the principle of like this is why i cannot comply with even masking yeah or forcing children to mask. How and, I was, they, and what was up with I, that? He never responded. Never, not. I was like, this is like my resignation. I'm sorry. Like, I mm. love this job, but I can't. And co- my conscience, everything in my conscience says no. And I quit that job, but I didn't have a job lined up. Like, I was, you know, I was like, I just was winging it. And I, I you know, eventually my time in Italy does come to an end. And I go back to D.C. And... I'm very involved with the pro-life movement, have been since I was a little girl, but it's, you know, only increased, obviously, now even, and I went to the Supreme Court, Um, it was when they were hearing the Dobbs case, the Mississippi, you know, the case that would have, that eventually did overturn Roe v. Wade, Yep, yep. and I ran into Jason Jones, okay, here we go, and I'd known, Jason and I had met before that through the pro-life movement, um, and I ran into him. And pri- little background, this was also, this was September 2021, a month before that, the United States had withdrawn from Afghanistan, you know, the debacle. 
okay. of the U.S. withdrawal of Afghanistan. Yeah. And I had seen his posts on social media about so how... you already knew of him? I already... Yeah, I, I knew of him even before that through pro, the pro-life movement. Jason Jones. Jason For Jones. For our audience, who is Jason Jones? Jason Jones is a living saint. He um, really? is... Yeah, I really... Yeah, he he'll never say that about himself. He's the most humble person, but he is. Found well, I'm not doubting it. I'm just yeah. like, I'm, that's the first thing that you said. That's powerful. Yeah, I, I only was able to spend one night with him, uh, with you in yeah. DC when I met him, and I he is probably and I've said this to you, even though you're fascinating, without a doubt, one of the most fascinating people I've ever met in my whole he life. He is just from spending like four hours with him at dinner, like. Yeah. Uh, very powerful. So who is he? So yeah, he's, like I said, a living saint, but he's founder and CEO of Hero Incorporated. It's a nonprofit. And within Hero, there are two programs, Movie to Movement. Movie to Movement. Movie to Movement. And it's a, they make movies. So he's a producer. Producer, director, writer. Got it. Um, you might know him from his movie, Bella. Bella. Great movie. But Excellent he's done, movie. He's done a lot of other movies, Crescendo, um, Divided Hearts of America. I mean, the list goes on. And then the other program is Vulnerable People Project. The VPP. VPP. Vulnerable People Project. Yes. All right. Um, which, I mean, upholds the dignity of the human person from, he always says, from the womb to the tomb. Yep. So, but a lot of our work um, since the Afghanistan withdrawal happened has been helping Afghan SIVs. SIVs were Afghans who served the United States in some capacity and our government promised them visas. Promised them, but, but didn't deliver? <laughs> have not delivered. Really? Not for everybody. I mean, they've delivered for some people, but okay. not everybody. All right. Um, and, Afghan, you know, so working with Afghan allies and SIVs. So it's not just like, you know, abortion, like pro, like whenever people hear like, you no, know, uh, the most vulnerable human, like he truly, you, the two of you through your work, like you guys are not just working on like saving babies from being aborted. You are literally rescuing people yeah. from countries. From war zones. From war zones, from, yes. Yeah, so really the most vulnerable persecuted population. So it's the past two years since I've been with VPP, it's been um, Afghanistan. We went to Ukraine. We're still involved with Ukraine. He was um, just there, right? Yeah, Jason was just there. And um, you went yourself to the Ukraine. We went when the war first began in March of 2022. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, right away, a war right started. Away. And you were like, hey, let's go. Yeah, we were like, we need to be able to assess in person what's happening there to make sure, A, to figure out how to best use our resources, but then B, we didn't want... We didn't know what everything entailed, so we have since, you know, um, opened, helped to open shelters for women and children to help prevent, you know, women and children from being trafficked. Um, we have partnered with an organization called um, Tip of the Spear. They're a group of former Green Berets that are demining landmines. We've um, provided trucks that deliver food, medicine, etc., but then also help people who are fleeing from the east to get to the west. Um, I mean, it's... How do you guys do this stuff? How is this funded? Like, how do you... Thanks be to God through just the generosity of people. Really? All private donations. I mean, were providing f trucks. That, like, yeah, the D, like it's uh, just... Jason, landmines. Jason 
fundraising, you know? So, like, even our work in Afghanistan, it's not just evacuating SIVs and allies, but we provide safe houses. This past winter, yeah, provided didn't you have to go somewhere to meet like thirteen women or something like that. Yeah, or to Spain. That like were from Afghanistan. Yeah, they were um, victims to a school bombing, a terrorist attack at their school, and they, you know, a lot of their classmates died, and these were the survivors. So twenty of them went to Spain, and then the rest were going to Canada. <laughs> Wow. But yeah, I went to go meet with them. How I mean, did, it's, but how did you get the job? Like, why did he so, hire you? So when the pullout first happened, when Jason was was, you know, posting about this, I texted him on Facebook. I don't remember if it was it was Facebook Messenger or a regular text, but I contacted him. I was like, listen, I might know people at the Vatican who can help mm. with these evacuations. I have, you know. I have, have connections, connections. and let me, I just felt, I'm the type of person that's like, yes, I will pray, but I also, if I can do something, I'm going to do what I can, yeah. you know? So I was like, listen, let me, let, if I can help you in any way, let me know. And that was when he was like, yeah, you know, and then at this point, I mean, it was again, providential because he was helping to evacuate missionaries of charity and their orphans. Wow. And they ended up going to Rome. Wow. Um, and, and Jesuit priests. It's funny. I just looked at the screenshot from those text messages. of like, these are X amount of sisters. They have X amount of orphans, X amount of Jesuit priests that need to be evacuated. But um, ran into him like a month after that at the Dobbs hearing outside of the Supreme Court. We literally just like bumped into each other. And I was like, how's all that work in Afghanistan going? You know, this and that. We're just catching up. And he was like, listen, <laughs> I need a diplomatic liaison. Like, you can't, you know, I need somebody who knows how to talk diplomacy, who knows how to talk to people, different governments, because it's, you know, and and I was like, oh, who are you going to get to do that? Like, it wasn't even like, oh, let me do it for oh, you. I was yeah. like, who do I know? You know, and he's like, do you want to meet me for breakfast tomorrow? And we can talk about it. And he, at this point, was like, send me your resume. And I was like, okay. And he was like, are you working? What are you doing? I was like, well... I actually quit my job three months ago because of, you know, all this stuff. And he's very much like on the same page as, as I am with mm -hmm. that. And, um, yeah. Wasn't he the first person <laughs> in the state of Hawaii to get arrested? Yeah. For <laughs> yes. For not following the yes. uh, protocols. Yeah. So we met for breakfast the next day and, um, he was like, this is what I need. And would you be willing to, you know, join me in this mission? And I was like, I'm on board. And that's how I got involved with the Vulnerable People Project. And that was uh, in uh, 2022, 2021? January, February? This is 20... If it was this would have been 2022. Okay. Well, no, it was 2021. It was like September 2021, but like mm -hmm. I officially, be, you know, wow. came on in, 20, I would say, 20, January 2022. And are you the first person that he ever hired for... No, he had contracted other people, but like this specific position... Um, legislative and diplomatic liaison was yeah I think so but it's it's funny because he was like all you need to do is get visas and landing rights because he was you know going to be sending planes to get yeah. people out but it's become just like so much bigger than that <laughs> how do people if people want to help uh, VPP how could they do it where could they go so they um, can go to our website, okay. um, the Great Campaign. The Great Campaign. Dot org. Dot org. Okay. And um, and yeah, there's a donation page. We always have um, different programs running or so campaigns running. So they'll know what's going on yeah. and what you need for water what or whatever. We need, yeah, or if they feel you know 
we want, you know, I want this money to go to Afghanistan, to go to Ukraine, to go to Sudan. We now are in Nigeria and Malawi since I've come on. We're supporting parishes there. Really? Uh huh. Yeah, we're Where's supporting. The, what's the second part? Uh, Malawi and Nigeria. That? They're both in Africa. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, as I'm sure a lot of you know, is there's a lot of persecution with churches and yeah, Christians and, and kidnappings and, and, you know, like churches getting shot up during the liturgy. So Jason was like, we need to do something. And Do you have um, any fear in doing this? No, I don't. Oh, because we talked about <laughs> it earlier. If you heard the intro, that you don't have a fear of death. I don't have a fear of death. You, since you were a little girl. Since I was a little girl, I've wanted to die. You've wanted to now, how does that sound also Christian? <laughs> like, not I just, It's not like a morbid, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. like, want to die, you know, but I just, I'm conv- wholly convinced and believe in heaven, in the Trinity, and I desire more than anything to go be with them. Um, but it doesn't, I think my love for death only makes me love life here more. I'm a very mm. passionate, like, so it's not that you, know, you love death. You just want to be with in Jesus. Yeah, you want to be with yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, with Our Lady, with all my saint friends up there. I just, I mean, I'm a very, I love my life. <laughs> um, and I definitely have a long way to go. Like, I don't think. I mean, I would hope if I were to die, God's mercy, you know. But I, I'm not like a saint, a living saint by any means. I have a lot of vices. Okay, but I, so. I desire heaven All right. very badly. Praise Jesus. <laughs> I've, Praise. Had my, I've had my funeral plans ready since I was like seven. That's interesting. Um, they're in my iPhone and they're also written out in my in a box that I keep in my bedroom. Okay. If anybody needs to know. Um, no clapping, please, during the liturgy or holding hands during the Our Father, okay? You have that written down. Yes. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah, I'll show you after. It's in my notes app on my phone. All right. No so, guitars. So how does what you do... Um, all right, so you, you work for the Vulnerable People So it's Project. crazy because that prayer... it's not necessarily a Catholic organization. It, well, we yet. are a Catholic organization. Oh, you are? Yeah. But he does a lot of things that aren't necessarily, yeah. necessarily Catholic. It's lit- I mean, we help vulnerable telling- people okay. regardless of faith, race, background, you know? It's, you don't need to be Catholic yeah, for sure. us to be able to help you. But do, do some people have an issue with the fact that you are Catholic? I'm sh- oh, yeah. Like donors? Oh, yeah. I've like had that? a donor tell me she's no longer going to be a donor because we're Catholic. Just because you're Catholic, even though yeah. you're saving human lives. Yeah. You yeah. know, and her issue is with Our Lady. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'll pray a rosary for you. That, <laughs> that did not help. And I remember I called Jason. I was like, listen, this donor just called me. She's very angry with us because we're Catholic. And... I told her I was going to pray a rosary for her, and she was like, don't, you know, she was yeah, very yeah, angry yeah. about it. And Jason was like, well, what can you do? I'll pray rosary for her, too. So that's the thing. Like, he <laughs> wanted to hire you because you were more, uh, supposedly, like, more diplomatic. But, right. Like, you are. I mean, I'm you, also just very up. I mean, I'm not going to hide who I am. Yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> are you very diplomatic? I am. I am. Um, well, I mean, the reason he said that was because he was on a call with some very important people. It was during the evacuations. Can you share this? I think so. He shared it before on his podcast, okay, so I think right, I can share ahead. it. Yep. He was on a call with some very important people, and he said for 20 minutes on a call, don't quote me on the 20 minutes, but for a long time on that call, uh-huh. they're discussing how to rescue the dogs 
out of Afghanistan. Not the humans. Not the humans. And he's like, he has enough of this conversation because, you know, like there are pregnant women, children, vulnerable allies, people that need to be evacuated. And we're talking about the dogs. I get, I get, I get worked up about this, you know? And he and goes, you love dogs. You and I love dogs. Here, right? I love, yeah. And Jason's the biggest animal lover yeah. I know. I mean, not that long ago, I like four in the morning, he was walking the streets of his neighborhood looking for this cat because he was like, it's going to be rainy. I don't want it out in this oh, store. You know, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. the biggest animal lover. But yeah, of course, doing? like humans take priority. 100%. 100%. So he goes, he's on the call and he's like, I know what we can do with the dogs. We can slit their throats. <laughs> and they're all looking at him like, you know, and he goes, I need a diplo- you know, a diplomatic liaison for this, <laughs> these yeah. types of calls. Because I told him, I was like, you can say that, but there's, you know, there's a diplomatic way of saying that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's how I kind of... It's kinda, not funny, but it's yes, funny. Yeah. It's not like, yeah. yeah. In a sense, it's hilarious, but he was just trying to make a point. Yeah. But that, he really is. Like, I know, I mean... But how did the two of you do what you do? Like, you are everywhere. Like, how... It's literally like we get a call, like we never intended to be involved with Ukraine, for example, Mm. but we were, he and I were actually together, we were at a conference in California and um, started getting phone calls and emails like, can you help my family get out of Ukraine? Can you help this orphanage? You know, these children, the director of the orphanage just abandoned these kids. Can you help evacuate the children? We need medicine. We need, you know, like all these things. And Jason and I pretty much have, and VPP, really, the other people on our team, we pretty much have a, a, a we don't say no policy. Yeah. If we can help, we yeah. will help. It's just a matter of needing to fundraise to be able to help, you know? Um, do, you, do you like all the traveling or is it is it burdensome? I do like the traveling. There are definitely times where it's very stressful or overwhelming, you know, going from, one place to another and but i mean i i love to travel i'm single i don't have children i'm not married so it's at kind of the time of my life right now where i can do it yep. do i see myself doing it forever i don't know you know like if if i were to get married of course i would this would take a back seat but it depends on if if you meet somebody <laughs> yeah but you know what i mean like it's i mean i'm i'm not gonna sit around at home now waiting for that man to come along Did you so by actually subconsciously name your dog romeo because you're looking for a romeo no i named him romeo because a i love shakespeare okay love like used to memorize his poems and ask to recite them to my classmates when i was a kid okay so there's that but then b i live when i lived in verona that yeah. summer that changed everything the yeah. city of romeo and juliet oh i didn't know that that's verona yeah I the, didn't know that. The, romeo and juliet is set is in romeo verona. must die just a, a movie or is that of anything with shakespeare i don't know romeo must oh, die oh yeah that's from romeo with and juliet Aaliyah. no but it was oh. like with Aaliyah and dmx i don't even know who those people are no yeah come on you don't know who dmx was Aaliyah. unfortunately they're both dead now but yeah they're I, yeah, a singer and rapper, and they. Do were they sing active. "Waterfall"? Jet Li was in that. No, that's <laughs> TLC. That's oh, that's not even close. DMX, TLC. I don't know who DMX is? I'm sorry. I feel like I know who Aaliyah is. Was she the one who had that? In the name of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he used to growl and stuff. Was he the D- one who? Had, she had something with R. Kelly. Yes, she okay. was. She was married to R. Kelly. I know who I think that is. Fourteen. 
I only know that because I watched the like Netflix special on yeah. R. Kelly. There was a movie called Romeo Must Die. And okay, well, I've never Kelly. seen it. All right. So, but then too, and I like joke because people are constantly, you know, trying to like ship me. I call it like, ship you? like they will are like, oh, you need to date so and so, or like settle down, get married. I'm like, well, I haven't met anyone worth Romeo, settling yeah. down for. I already have. I was like, Romeo. and I already have a Romeo. Yeah, and you just gotta. Can we talk about that? What the the thing you got? I got a tattoo of Romeo. Of Romeo, what amazing! My fourth tattoo. Oh, your fourth. You have several. I have several. I can say I have several now. Okay. Uh, should we get into that? or We can if you want to. Well, I do want to get into uh, the excellent on the Run thing because not yes. on top of... So VPP is not my only project. It's not your only project. I mean, it's definitely priority. Like, it takes priority in my life. Got it. Um, Jason, I feel like people like are like, you just, he, you just say these things about him because he's your boss, but he really is the best, one of the best humans I know. And yeah, he, he's my boss, but he's also very much like a mentor, a mm. spiritual father. I hope he doesn't listen to this no, I hope episode he does, because I always, I've said to people, Promote like if podcast. I ever get married, I want to ask Jason to walk me down the aisle. No way. Yeah. Like he Dude. has impacted my life in such a positive way. Um, like, I, I mean, we it. talk about work and everything, but like he, you know, has very much become a mentor and he's very much like the type of boss that wants you to like go above and beyond even him. Like he doesn't feel any sense of like, I want to keep you in the back, you know, hidden away or whatever. Like he's, he like is like, you need to like take Exxon on the run and like make it a brand. Like let's get so you So let's up. talk about that. You know, like all of that, which, which is funny because I never. How did you start? How, why did things start to take off? Like on I Instagram? Don't know. With X, you're not the X non on the what is your actual handle? X non E X N U N O N T H E R U N X non on the run. And this is on Instagram. On Instagram. Okay, and so what's up with that? What are you doing? I you do, I don't know how it took off. Okay. I, I mean I I got an Instagram probably because the same reason why everybody gets one is because everybody else is on it. Um, but I started just sharing my views. You know about the church, my different things. Um, very much from the perspective of like I discern religious life. I'm very open about my discernment, my discernment in, my excuse me, discernment out. I'm open about all that, mostly because I feel like it has such a negative connotation of like, oh, an ex, you know, you left the convent or you left seminary. I feel like there's like this kind of sense of that we don't talk about that in the church that, you know, and a lot of, sadly, I think this is such a tragic thing that so many people who leave religious life end up leaving the church altogether. I think that is such a tragedy. Mm. Um, and so I just was like, I'm just going to start sharing, you know, my views from this lens of having had this experience. And I don't know how it's kind of grown into this tiny little community, but it's led to a lot of open doors. That's, okay. Like. You know, like, I mean, I've gotten asked if I would, I've had brand deals Got from it. it. Um, you know, asked if I want to start a podcast okay. from different production companies where I'm like, I haven't said yes to anybody yet um, because I have so many things outside of Instagram as well sure. going on, you know, so yeah, it's definitely grown into, I hate to say, like, a brand, but it's definitely grown into a brand Yeah, I was in, in, uh, in of sorts. Oh, I was at the March for Life with you in um, January. January, and 
like this girl or a couple girls were like, oh my gosh, it's Marilis. Thanks for the run. Oh my gosh, hello. Can I get your picture? You know? <laughs> and so I witnessed that firsthand. And then um, you shared something. Well, you've done it a couple times, so I very much appreciate it of what I did. But like one time, there was this one time you shared something that I did or whatever. And like, I, I got like 150 followers like right away, like just because of like something that you shared that I did. Uh, an extra 150, that is. And um, I'm over 1,000 because of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, and then um, I was somewhere. I was at a wedding. You weren't there. You had nothing to do with it. But I was talking to somebody, and uh, your name was brought up, and then the handle at X on the run, and then somebody else at the table was like, oh my, wait, you know her? Like, they're like, yeah, how do you know her? They're like, oh, just from Catholic Instagram, you know? <laughs> so there's been like a couple different things like that where like, yeah, people, or somebody um, who has like a very successful uh, YouTube podcast or whatever reached out to me. It was like, oh my gosh, you're friends with the X on the run? Like, wow, you're famous. And I was like, I'm famous? What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> They're like, can you connect me so that she could come on my show? Oh no, she said, you're hanging with famous people. So yeah, you are getting out there in the Catholic you world. You did hang with famous people that week though. That when you were in D.C. for the march. Well, I wasn't <laughs> sure how much I have a lot to talk about that. So you've told me I can't say some things. He did. So, so yeah, <laughs> it was a great night. It was amazing. Aren't Fantastic. you glad you ended up staying longer? Very much so. <laughs> I didn't even, I'll be honest with you all. Yo, I didn't want to go. I'm I know, I remember. I'm that right now. He calls me and he's like, I don't want to go. I'm going to, con- no, 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 no. That's not true. I didn't even know that you, I found out you oh, it were wasn't there until you were was on, on your way. way. Yeah. And I saw you, that you were there, and I was like, oh my gosh, a friend of mine wanted to go really, really bad. And I normally would want to go, but one, Roe was already overturned. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I should do something in the state instead. I don't know if I want to go to D.C. Two, I wasn't going with any parish or anything like that. There was like very little, there was some stuff in the diocese, maybe. Anyway, I don't want to say anything about that. Yeah. But then you were there. And we were supposed to go and leave. And yeah, you were just going to march and leave. Yeah, and I connected with you. Uh, that, uh, I think, well, yeah. I had like press passes. Yes, and I was like, pass, come back here so you can meet you, some of these and people. And that changed everything. was with you all day. And then there was this other man, I won't say who he is, that, who I haven't heard from since. Um, <laughs> but he invited me to this dinner with all of you. And you had to like go to some... I don't, I don't know what I I'm to I had to go to a gala. Yeah, you had to go to a gala. You had an amazing... Like, like you were at, like at a ball, like uh, this <laughs> dress thing. And it, it was at this dinner of like this most, I, I don't know. I've Very in influential a, people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, are they famous? Did I know them? Like, was I like, oh my gosh, that's Mel Gibson? No, but like still it was one of the most fascinating nights of my whole life. And it didn't matter because Jason Jones opened his mouth. He talked for the next three hours and my jaw was on the floor. <laughs> my jaw was on, you were on the other side of the table. And uh, my, I, I was like, this guy is like, wow. And then as we're there. But he's like humble about it, though. You know well, what no, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. No, he wasn't like over. No, he's he not like braggy at no, all. No, he wasn't. Yeah. But I, there was like one thing that him and I had in common that we both happen to know the Bishop of Honolulu and that he's from You're Hawaii. You're both friends with him. And, and then at that dinner, he said, hey, Father, I'm running this pilgrimage to Hawaii, Hawaii next year in the footsteps in the footsteps of St. Damien and Marianne Cope, St. Marianne Cope, would you want to be my chaplain? And I was like, absolutely. 
I didn't know if it was going to happen. And then, you know, and that's all because of your connection. Mm-hmm. And my friend Jen was there uh, and she had an amazing time. And it was a it was a very powerful time. And I'm very much looking forward to since then. You know, I've been listening to his podcast. Jason Jones has a podcast that we want to yeah, plug. The what, Jason Jones show. The, can I try to say it like him? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The Jason Jones. All right, he doesn't say it like that, but I just I'm gonna do Jason it like Jason Jones. Yeah, show Jason something Jones. like that. I don't Jones. know. Jones or something. The Jason Jones show. <laughs> but when you call him, it's, it goes Jason Jones. <laughs> Jones. I love his voice. I love his voice. Yeah, he has a really memorable voice. Yeah, yeah. and I've been learning a lot. He sent me this article that he wrote about the Ukraine. That, oh, that what's like, happening there? Yeah. yeah, I'm learning a lot of stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting stuff. Um, it's great. I think what you're doing is great. Uh, and what I love about, I don't know, how do I say this about you or about what you're doing is that like, whenever like you have like some time, you go back to Jersey where I am. So that's, so we get to connect. <laughs> so it's not like you're just like, cause you live in freaking Florence. Yeah. So I live, Why in, do you Florence, live in Florence, Italy. Uh, I live in Florence, Italy because we decided to open a European office. Got it. Um, to, for our work with Afghanistan, mostly, because we're looking to the world to yeah. help resettle, you know, our Afghan allies and SIV, SIVs and allies. And so when Jason and I, um, he met me in Rome, I was in Rome, I was in Milan for meetings, for meetings with the VPP, and then I went to Rome um, and he came because he was like, we need to go to Ukraine and, ass- and assess the situation. And so he was like, I'll meet you in Rome. And we ended up going to the consecration that Pope Francis did of Ukraine and Russia on the Feast of the Annunciation. And um, we left for Ukraine, I think, the next day or two days after that. But while I was in Rome, I was, I was having to travel all the time to Europe. Yeah. And, and I said to him, I said, how about I stay for the summer, you know, stay here for three months and I, I can have, you know, a maximum of 90 days without a visa with a U.S. passport. And he was like, better yet, why don't you open an office here? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember like looking at him like, what? Like, you know, and he was like, it makes so much sense. He was like, unless you don't want to. Like, you know, he's very fatherly. Yeah. He's like, is your future husband here? Because if he's not here... I don't want you to move your whole life here. And I was like, only one way to find out. Um, he's got a big heart. He vi- has a very Cares. big heart. Very big heart. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that's that's how I ended up going to Italy. Moving. It's so funny because these are literally everything I prayed for at the tomb of St. Francis. I want to serve the vulnerable. And I have it in a journal entry. This mm. is what's, you know, thank God I journal so I can actually tangibly see this, you know, but I want to serve the vulnerable i want to travel the world i want to live in italy like checked all of that everything off the list but then also have time for like projects that i feel passionate about whether it's building exxon in the run whether it's leading pilgrimages which i'm doing with you as chaplain yeah that's right yeah you You want to talk about that yeah we're the catholic traveler mountain i haven't met him yet but i'm grateful that he said yes he is thank you for asking me um where are we going we're going to Israel and Jordan. Okay. We're going to the Holy Land and Jordan for a pilgrimage. My mom is coming too. No way, she is. Yeah. 
No way. Yeah, my mom is coming too. How? By the way, how is the registration? Like, are people signing I, up? Yeah, I think. J- I mean, Mountain already has everything booked. Like, oh, so can more people go? More people can join. More people can where sign do, where up. Where do they find out about this? They can either find out about it on my Instagram. Okay. It's linked in my Instagram bio, or yep. just it's also message me on Instagram. Okay. Um. Or go on thecatholictraveler.com. Our pilgrimage is September 7th through the 21st. Yeah, it's kind of long. Yeah, because we're going to... I told Mountain, I was like, I've already been to Israel. I've been to the Holy Land before. Yeah. And... I went once before. (laughs) It's amazing. And his... I've never been with him to the Holy Land, but I've gone with him um, to Siena for just to hop on one of his pilgrimages. And I was like, this is the type of pilgrimage... I want okay. you know that's not it doesn't feel robotic it doesn't feel like stiff um, but you're learn. it's still a pilgrimage where you're learning about the church or the saints or whoever um, in Siena we went to St. Catherine of Siena <laughs> to see her head we had mass right at the altar where her head is her head. and um, and so and he's he's <laughs> he and his family have become a really really good friends of mine since they live in Rome don't they watch Mount, uh, Romeo sometimes, or is that something They else? watch Romeo sometimes. So they're an American family yep. living in Rome. Mountain does Catholic, leads Catholic pilgrimages. The Catholic traveler. He's the got Catholic a big The Catholic traveler, following. yeah. He's awesome. And he leads Catholic pilgrimages full-time. That's his job. And um, his family is awesome. They watch Romeo sometimes for me. Um, is and it rough being away from Romeo with all the traveling? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I try to bring him as much as I can. Yeah. But when I can't bring him, it's really, he's, I've become very attached, yeah. Uh, why do you love him so much? He's just a little companion. He's, look at him, like, he just is like, a, you know, he stays close to me, but he doesn't bother me. He's not annoying. Yeah. He's sleeping right here. I did step on him the first time I met him, uh, but he was fine. He was fine. tiny. Yeah, he was fine. He was, I mean, I am 280, but anyway. But anyway, so yeah, so I said to Mountain, I was like, I'd love to go to the Holy Land with you. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, but can we also go to Jordan? I know he's done whole, you know, Israel and Jordan. And I had seen his photos and things. And I've always wanted to go to Jordan. And he, on, I'm going to be real honest with you right now on the air. I don't really know what is there. Like, what is Wadi Jordan? Rum. There's know. a lot there. Petra. I don't you gotta know. look all this stuff up. It's all in our itinerary. Okay, I, I don't. Yeah, no, no. Like I'm excited about yeah. it, but I'm also like I am. My no mom idea. said the same thing. She was like, "What's in Jordan?" Yeah. <laughs> 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 Sorry, yo. Um, yeah, she's like, "What's there?" I was like, "So much is there." I can't believe your mom is coming. I get I'm so excited. Coming. She's still. I told. I had to remind her to sign up and pay. She's not going for free, you know? Got it. So I had to remind her. Mountain's so cool about it. But um, is there any... So, yeah. So is there anything about the excellent on the run that you want to say? Anything that you want to plug? Anything that you want to... No, I mean, come check my Instagram out. Give me a follow if you want. Um, Uh, Did you say yes to any of these offers that you got? Not to any of the podcasts yet. Okay, but you're doing some other stuff? I'm doing some other stuff. There will be fun... Things. Oh, you can't talk about it yet. I don't want to talk about All it right. yet. I want, I'm the type of person, like, I need to have it. How many followers does one need to have before one starts getting offers? I don't know. I don't have a lot of followers. I only well, have, like, 7,000-something followers. All right. Well, it's, you know, it's 6,000 more than me. <laughs> but uh, I think because my followers, they, I don't, I, I think, I, I, from what, what I understand, it's not just follower count, but they look at kind of retention. So how many likes your posts get mm. 
with that many followers, you know? Yeah, and you're um, also all over How the many place. views, like my, you know, depend, all and, of that. Oh, I have a, maybe a, uh, I don't like a question to ask you, maybe a technical question. You do a lot of stories rather than posts. Yeah, what, I what's, do. So why, why is that? What's up with that? And I, it works. It seems to really work. Yeah. I feel, I think, I do stories because I feel like it feels more personal, it you know, does. that I, I'm checking in with, I mean, I, I, I don't, I hate to say followers because I look at the people who are yeah. on Instagram with me as like friends yeah, or like yeah. a community. I very much get, I try to put out a sense of community and it's like a checking in with my community and sharing my day with them, my ups and downs. Um, so I, I, I think that's why I like to, and I don't have to, I feel like with your feed, you have to kind of curate it or put a lot of thought into mm. how something looks or whatever. The story's gone in 24 hours? Yeah, they're go- unless you save them in a highlight. Oh, okay. All which right. I do. I have a bunch of things saved in highlights. Um, but yeah, I just feel like stories are more personal. You know, somebody can message me directly from a story that I can then DM with. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So So I do. I post a lot on my stories. No, it's good. It seems to work. I don't know. I know how to, like, share to a story. I don't know how to just, like, make a story. Like, they literally helped me pick out which purse I was going to use today. Who did? My, the people on my stories, my followers. I posted this one or the, another one. I was like, which one should I use with this outfit? That's they like voted what? for the other one, but I still want with this one. You want with that one? That's a pink one. This is a Valentino. Valentino. That was a gift from Valentino. It looks like you were on your way to go see Barbie or something. It's my color. That's when when the lady at Valentino, when the lady at Valentino brought it out for me, she was like, it matches your brand. No. Dead serious. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, on your profile picture on Instagram, you have this pink color. You do. How does she know? Because they, that's, I was invited to an opening, a Valentino store opening. Dude, and I l- a holy mess podcast with his holy mess, Father Paul. Um, <laughs> I am open to any offers, uh, any openings. Um, She's beautiful. Look at her. I won't wear a purse, but maybe a merce. Um, no, I don't. I'm not showing off to brag, but like I don't care. I, was like, I didn't even put two and two together when she was like, "It matches your brand." I was like, "What brand?" Well, that's good. Listen, this has been. The longest interview that I've ever done. Romeo is like ready. With one person, I'm ready. I'm beyond ready. Unfortunately, I was hoping that it would go a full three hours, but it, we're at two hours and 31 minutes and 50 seconds. I mean, is there anything else you want to ask me? I'm sure there is. I can't wait to eat. Um, I, I gotta, can't wait to go to Israel with you. Yeah. We should do a podcast there. 100%. I have, uh, I have stuff. Can you guys pray for me that I like get my stuff together? So I was in Alaska for a couple weeks, and now I'm back. This is the first podcast that I've had since we've been back, and I'm finally – I was asking for donations for a while, and some of you were very, very generous. For what? And I, I saved that. it up for, to get new equipment. So what I'm oh, going to get – Oh, for this? Yeah, so I have this stuff, but I promised them that I'm going to get some cameras and video, so that's the next thing that I'm going to oh, get. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't asked for donations in a while. As a matter of fact, I took away the link because I just want to check like, with my accountant and a lawyer to make sure like, I have like, the proper status and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the archdiocese uh, asked me to do that just to like, check because yeah. you know, I, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I just yeah. see people putting a donation link. Maybe you have to have a certain status. I don't know. Yeah, well, so, give me the link so I can share it. 
Well, I don't, I don't. Well, whenever you get the okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, so I need to just check on that. I don't know if you need to be like a nonprofit, but I, I see podcasts that have that. So, anyway, so uh, the podcast is not officially affiliated with the Archdiocese of Norwick, especially in terms of fundraising. So, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we go? No, I'm all set. I can't believe that our iPads held this long. I'm not going to lie. And your phone. Like, I don't know, you know, the, the intro thing, whatever, but everything else we got, I'm happy. I'm grateful. Uh, I'm very excited that I'm going to be going to uh, Israel and Jordan with you. I'm really excited. And I hope that you come on the Hawaii pilgrimage uh, that your boss is doing. Well, we're filming um, a movie in Hawaii. He did tell me starting that. Starting to film a movie in December. And I told him that December. I never, I was on the phone with him the other night. I said, I've never been on a movie set. I really want to be on one. I'm sorry, Jason. I really do. He's like, yeah, okay, you know what? Maybe, maybe what I'll do is, and then he said something about like, so I, I could have like all the pilgrims check out the set. And I'm like, how's well, that going? I might, depending on what's going on with me, I might already be in Hawaii. Good, good, because so, I want to go early because I have a friend out there. So, and I, Tyler, maybe we can meet Tyler. Oh, I love Tyler, yes. Tyler, he was uh, my very last guest uh, on A Holy Mess. My I last told episode, him, I told you, right? I was like, you need to have Tyler yeah, on. Yeah, you are the one that had Tyler on, and he's the one that talked about from LGBTQism to Catholicism. Yeah, and he's so great. I hope, yeah. I, I feel like I know him. Because we've been Instagram friends for a while. Yeah, so you've been a blessing to a holy mess. I'm grateful, uh, but not just to that, but to reconnecting uh, when I got back from my medical leave, helping me through that whole yeah. Carrick thing. And then uh, through COVID, we reconnected. And then we didn't yeah. talk for a while. I know, we go and through then, phases. And then it was the, uh, the March for Life, and ever yeah. since then. So, Romeo, thanks for being here, buddy. We're going to take you out. We're going to get your son to eat, pal. All right, yo, Top's Diner is around the block. It's like you think he'll be allowed in there? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how that stuff works. To be honest, we'll with figure you. it out. It's a very, it's like one of the best diners in New Jersey. I I haven't had yeah. Jersey diner food in. This is it's like turned in a little bit to like a nightclub. I want that they used to I be want like, disco fries. Oh, they have like sick disco fries. Oh, like sick, oh my gosh! I mean, like literally, it, but it's very expensive. So I'll just have you pay. So anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, on VPP, got it, Jason? No. <laughs> So, um, yeah, and I got to be honest with you, like, I, because I, I told Jason the other night um, that there was somebody that was trying to tell me that, like, Putin is, like, doing good things mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And uh, Jason. Propaganda got to his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jason said to me, because I read Jason's article, that's what I told him. And I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to send this to this guy that was telling me all this, like, positive stuff yeah. about Putin. And he goes, oh, he goes, okay. He goes, well, ask him if he'll come with Ukraine to me the next time I go. Yeah. And I put like LOL. And he's like, no, I'm no, serious. I'm serious. Yeah. Like, we need help removing landmines. And I'm like, like if Jason Jones I said, Father Paul, can you come with me to the Ukraine to be involved with removing landmines? Like, I, I'm going to be I'm a, right here. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I would do it. I'm, I'm straight up. You got to pray for me. Because, I mean, look, if I'm scared of a freaking grizzly bear, you know I ain't going to be at You can trust our lines. team. Well, what do you mean? Like, our, you wouldn't just be sent on a field to be like, go remove these landmines without but first being are. told. people are. Like, yeah. I have so much admiration yeah. for them. No. I'm like sick I mean, to my somebody, stomach that somebody like, on the team while Jason was in Ukraine got his legs blown off. Well, what about the guy that he just made that died? He just, yeah. met, he just met a soldier. Yeah, a Ukrainian soldier, yeah. 
But I'm saying the the one who lost his legs was, was to a line, was but it was to a landmine. He a stepped, landmine. yeah. And you're telling me to trust you? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we gotta talk about this. Maybe at dinner we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. You know this fear of death. I know. I'm sorry, people. If you want something, I feel like it's normal though. Like we were, God did not create us to die. Well, they, he did. You know, we were not. So it's, I feel like the aversion to death, but you do have a fear of it. It's not just. The Alaska thing. Like I've heard you mention other things. Yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Where I you, should, should tell the Arizona you know, thing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, that was terrifying. You know, there's that a lot of times terrifying. where you told me, like, I, I was afraid I was going to die. And it's I'm, not like, it's not the die. Okay. How do I say it's not the dying? It is the dying. It's not so much like, I, I think it's more of like the process of dying. Like, that's mm. the fear. Like, if I die, of course, I want to go to heaven. I want to be in heaven. Like, I'm, I am excited right. about that. I am not scared of heaven. It's the process of it. Right. It's the yeah, whether I it's suffocating that. or being mauled or I get you know that's what I mean, what I mean that's when I say what, like, there are if, death. It, if it happens, I hope it's like very quickly. Say, of course. You know, this is gonna sound like crazy, right? So you would think that I'd be too scared to get into an elevator. I mean an elevator. What am I talking about? Not an elevator, but a helicopter. Yeah. And a part of me is, but when I am a helicopter, I feel this peace because I know if something happens, it's going to end in two seconds. One would hope. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. So it's not so much. I like, get that. You know I've I talked mean? about how there, I definitely have preferences of method. You have preferences of method? Yeah. Like how I die. Like I would prefer to not drown, but I, yeah. I learned, <laughs> I mean, I would prefer to not drown, but I learned that your brain shuts off before you do drown. So. It's yeah. more all in your head. Like, I hope you know it happens I mean? so like, quick. But like, I would prefer to not be tortured. Yeah, you know, exactly. like the martyrs. But I, I would yeah. hope that if I were to be, I'd have the grace to not be screaming and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't want to. I be feel a like my chlericness would kick in and be like laughing in their faces. I hope. With your chlericness? Yeah, I'm a, a very choleric temperament. I don't know what that means. You know, the four temperaments: choleric, sanguine, phlegmatic, melancholic. Is that Hindu? No, these are the kidding. four temperaments. I'm Look, I'm you, very anyway, tired. Yes. I'm very hungry. I'm very tired. Let's wrap it up so we can go to Tops. Ooh, a wrap. And have disco fries. You could have them. Um, so listen, folks. This uh, Awesome. Two hours, 39 minutes, 25 seconds. Beautiful. Marilis Panero, excellent on the run. Um, a Holy Mess podcast with his Holy Mess. I hope people actually listen and watch this whole thing. Yeah, well, You're gonna thank you for joining me for a Holy Mess podcast. Please see the show notes in the description for this episode for more details and information about the topic and or our guest. You will find links and resources there to supplement this episode and help you along your messy but holy journey. Please also like, comment, subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this episode. I want to thank Mike Mangione for providing his song, Can You Love Me Falling, from his album Red Winged Blackbird Man, to provide for the theme song of this podcast. Finally, please note that while Father Paul Hoos is a priest for the Archdiocese of Newark, a holy mess with his holy mess podcast is not affiliated with the Archdiocese of Newark in any way, including but not limited to fundraising efforts. This podcast is purely the personal hobby, product, and evangelization effort of me, Father Paul Hoos. Please join us again next time for another holy mess of an episode. God bless. Yeah!